Believe it or not, my fellow Pufuanians, I need more coffee. Count to 30, and then we're going to start. <laughs> I am All right, I'm going to the bathroom. Hang on. In real time, or you're leaving to do it? All right. I will be right back. E-time, talk to Keza. Stop eating my button. I don't want to. They're yummy. How hard it is to edit when people talk over each other like that. It's a freaking nightmare. Honestly, you can do just swathes of of podcasts where you think it might have been really, really funny, but you can't tell because 60,000 people are talking at once and the only thing you can hear is is, is like Ryan going, but it's political. And it's like, we're talking politics. That's irrelevant. So you have to take it out of the whole podcast and you're left with like Lee crying. Okay. I think Kez is just angry about universal health care. What you're, what you're saying is that we need a talking stick, yes? So, yes. so what I'm yes. going to do, so should I do what I did last night? And moving right along. There you go. Stand by. Yeah, you can be Rena tonight. Hold on to the wonder of that world through many pens And we'll never let go of all the ones we've made our friends And they'll say it's only a podcast But we know it's much more than that a community all of its own Where we even have our own sorting hat Where the hosts are all our friends And the stall is told by Jen We'll always laugh before the end Part of it we please where the story never ends. And welcome back to Parfic Weekly. It's episode 107. This is Ryan. I'm P.S. I'm Kenza. I'm, I'm Silly. Oh, okay. I'm E. I'm e- Ty. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! That's the most anticlimactic one we've ever done. Did everyone say I, hello? I, I think there's still no, three I of you. I think we went, oh, Sue and I went at the same time. That's fine. People That's know okay. who we are. People know we do it all the time. Are. They know who we are by now. All right. We are in our seventh to last Pufwa of the season. Next week, we're starting Kez's Vic. <laughs> is, is this, uh, let's see, this is uh, Seven Swans of Swimming, right? Seven Swans of Swimming. Seven so the, Swans of We are closing our, 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 oh god, we gotta sing the whole damn thing. Alright, we are closing our discussion of Stealing oh. Harry this evening, our last episode on Stealing <laughs> Harry. Directly <laughs> over you people, because it's just what I do. We, um, <laughs> this evening, we're gonna talk about many different things. We're going to try very, very much to not talk about universal health care. Um, we would like to now, previous episode, episode 106, when we sat down to talk about Stealing Harry, some stuff did come up. That's unfortunate. I'd like to apologize right off the bat to my coworker, Beth. Sandra Rinamato and the entire staff of Property Virgins on HGTV, Mike Holmes, 
of Homes on Homes, if that's even his name, the guy in overalls, he growls a lot and smashes things with pipes, and uh, pretty much any elected Republican in the United States House of Representatives, we probably should apologize to right off the bat, excluding the guy from Louisiana who's holding the seat previously occupied by the Democrat who stole lots of money and hid it in his freezer next to the roll-ups. So we'd like to just get the apologies right out of the way before we go, and now we're going to talk about Remus Sirius Slash, except not Keza, because it makes her cranky. So, Ryan, do we need to apologize to the one gay unicorn as well? Oh, 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 good segue. Everyone, go out and listen to the one gay unicorn, um, uh, what the hell is this, a podcast. podcast. Go out and listen to the one gay unicorn podcast, because I really want them to sit up at night going, where did all these people come from, and why are our numbers one gay up? Un- oh, me? oh, Itai, you gotta catch up, dude. Episode 106, it's coming out in a few weeks. Even yeah, though right I- now, this is episode 107, so everyone listening to me doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about. I have had coffee this evening. He had, and not um, only has he had coffee, he got a refill. I have a Keurig thing, and it's so easy. You just put the pod in, and instant coffee. Yeah, I have one of those. All right, now I don't like you, coffee. No, Itai's back with us. Itai was last in episode, like, 36 or something of Sounds that about nature. Right, and yeah. now he's, he's back 70 episodes later. Uh, since you've been on the podcast, I think you've gotten married, as have I. Congratulations, Itai. And to you. And Mazel tov. Mazel tov, huh? And, and to you, definitely. And, and, and to you, definitely. Now, you obviously haven't been on these um, episodes on Stealing Harry. Is there any... Well, Kelly, I, Kelly, have you read the fic? I have, but it has been some time. Yep. And in fact, I actually, when, uh, when it first went up for um, member uh, nomination, uh, I was one of the people that told my Wizengamot person, at that point it was Dan... Yes, they're slashing it. Yes, it's a very good story. Yes, you can read around the slash. It won't detract from the story. Vote for it. So, and that was two years ago. Kelly read the thing two years ago. I I finished the thing two hours ago. Right. After being being invited to come on about 24 hours ago. So, (laughs) so... We're bad with planning over here. I, I, so if I, if I screw things up, it's because I've gotten overloaded on uh, Remus Serious Slash, and uh, I'll just have to muddle through. Well, I'm having a very confusing evening because I'm starting Rebuilding Life by Keza, and I'm, I'm reading it, and it's reminding me of another fic, and I can't place what fic that is. So I'm spending my entire day trying to figure out when I've read Keza's fic before, because I know I haven't. As it cr- turns out, I'm, I'm picturing some something Melinda wrote. Melinda had to tell me that, so I had to go to Melinda and be like, Melinda, why does this sound familiar? And she's like, I wrote that, you idiot. I'm like, ah, that was you. So now... so The question is, when did you read that? When did I oh, read that? I've read that like... He slept since then. Yes, I've slept oh, okay. since then. So so Keza is basically writing like Melinda Leo now. Melinda Leo is still writing like Joe Rowling. Joe Rowling is still writing like Melinda Leo, so we have some plagiarism hey, stories going there. People. Yes. People tell me that my fic sounds like I write like Joe Rowling. I think I, I was channeling I with the open I really enjoy it. I have a question not to make this, not to start your fic early. In the chapter three no. or chapter four, um, you know, author's notes, you, your author's note is essentially, I fixed the commas. I'm sure they're still wrong. Did you have like a comma explosion or something? Oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> this archivist on SIYE 
rejected it because I didn't have my commas in the right place. But he wouldn't tell you where they went, I assume. Exactly. So I had to play a guessing game in order just to get the damn chapters posted because it wasn't right. And I just, yes, I spoke with another archivist and that is all now in the past. Well, I'm reading last night, I'm reading Stealing Harry with my left eye and I'm reading Rebuilding Life with my right eye. And it's kind of like Masterfic Theater where you're listening to Naked Quidditch Match with your left speaker and I'm talking from living with danger in my right speaker because of an audacity screw up. Right. And I'm talking to Keza and there's a scene where George is like, well, we did leave the fireworks in the boathouse. I'm like, you got that from the game. <laughs> and what was my response? Someone was playing Order of the Phoenix video game when she was writing the story. Exactly. So I'm like, you little plagiarist, you stole that from the game. I remember it very clearly. So we will be starting uh, Kez's fic next week. Um, my lovely wife just walked into the house right now, and she chopped 11 inches of hair off. So I'm just checking her out as she walks in the door. Wow. She's Well, I told her she couldn't get it as, so short as it would look like me, because we sometimes stress alike. Wait, 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 wait. Ryan? Yes. You're bald. Yeah, well, I'm not bald. <laughs> Why did you have to say that like I didn't know? <laughs> we thought we'd done such a good job. Just in case you haven't looked at yourself in the mirror recently. Hair that short. No, I have like a wiffle thing going on. Hold on, we gotta check out the wife's hair. Get over here, get over here, get over here. Oh, look how nice you look. You may not have a cell phone, but your hair looks lovely. Oh, hi, Danielle. Everyone says hi. Hi, Danielle. Including Itai, he says muzzle tough. <laughs> Danielle says hi. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> is, that the, is that the greeting version of bye? <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh my god, her hair is in a plastic bag. <laughs> She's giving it to me. Is this for me? Okay. What, does she intend to donate it or She something? actually is going to donate it, but I thought she was going to donate it to Locks of Love? Yes, to, to nice. Locks of Love. Seriously? I don't think they'll take mine. I have a lot of gray in mine. Ah, <laughs> uh, they'll take it. Well, I might. found a gray hair. One. <laughs> P.S. was worried very much about Saltai's clipboard. I have, I have very long hair. It's, um... Over eighteen inches long. When I when I when I, if I don't tie it up, I can almost sit on it. So I've never had that problem in my life. No, I can't imagine you. I, would. Really, I really haven't <laughs> had that problem. <laughs> so yeah, good for her. Yes, so she's very excited. So uh, okay, where did we leave off? <laughs> I forget. The rebuilding life. Rebuilding life. So um, no, that's next week. No, that's next week. Stealing <laughs> yeah. Harry. Stealing <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Stealing Harry. So, Isn't that funny that it's two inging things? We're stealing Harry and then rebuilding life. Two inging things? What? Is that like Inging. a boat boat? She, what, no. she's trying to, what she's trying to say is that we're dealing with two participles here. Jared. Jared. Jared, sorry. I would like sorry. to point out the PS in the last episode could not tell the difference between a toy boat and a real boat, but wants to be a merchant marine, which I find ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. I don't want to be a merchant marine. I'm saying that I even forget why that came up. <laughs> there was, there was an issue. It was the only thing you could think of. There was an issue with oh, the merchant marine, and Harry was a stupid frog, as I recall, and there were lots of different. No, he has a stuffed frog. He isn't. He's not a frog. He has a stuffed. No, his yeah, name. Harry what's his name? Frogs. What's his name? Parvus. Or his name is Parvis in the story. Yeah. Parvis. Parvis. Parvis means stupid frog. Oh. Either either that or some very old Romulan name or something. <laughs> 
That would be why Snape is like looking at Dumbledore like, ooh, you are wise and naming him Parvis because Snape is a closet trick. Right. Alright, so P.S. this was your fic. You put this on the schedule, so what would you like to talk about in the last episode on Stealing Harry? What chapters are we covering just so I know? Oh, we're all over the map, dude. All over 22, the map. 22 to the end. 22 to the end. Okay, good. What about, like, um, what did you guys think of the addressing, like, the AU, like, through the dreams, like... That was by far my favorite part of the entire story. I thought that was amazing. <clears throat> yeah. If, if there... When you look back at these... I'll even go as far as to say if that plot point wasn't in the story, I don't think... I think I would probably forget about the story in a couple of weeks, because there's a lot of stuff it does that was repeated from other effects, that there was nothing the story did that was very bold and really set it out on its own, except that. I think that's one of maybe my favorite plot points in any effect that we've covered on the podcast. Yeah, the that's o- what made it interesting at all, to me. Well, the only story that even came remotely close, I think, in the Living with Danger series, there was like a one-shot at one point where the characters from that series could see into the canon and, and, and see what would have happened to them and all this. And it was this weird one-shot, and I never really bonded or gelled with any of the characters from Living with Danger, so it's, it, it, I really didn't care about it. This one literally is set up as an alternate reality, and it acknowledges... It's like the Star Trek movie, the new Star Trek movie. Yes. No, that's exactly it. And the thing is, too, it acknowledges that that stuff is happening out there, which means, bizarrely, that this universe is can now be canon. This can be real. There's no reason this can't be happening, you know, just out of phase with everything that we see. So it's a multiverse. It, it's a multiverse. So it actually yeah, it yeah. adds a, a great deal of credibility to the story, and... I told you you would like the story. Every possibility that can exist does exist. Yes. Yeah, some over history. Well, if some of you, if if you're fans of of Star Trek The Next Generation, it's the one where Worf and Troy got together, if you're having difficulty remembering. (laughs) Yes. The name of which I forget right now, but... Oh, Parallels. I'm here. I know all. There you go. Yes. Um, That that was a a great episode. But it's it's such a great plot point, too, the fact that... you know, the characters having succeeded, and, you know, they rescued Harry, and Harry's had a better life than he had before, and even though they totally screwed everything up, the well, fact that he has a loving base for his life, the fact that all that's there, you know, they can then say, well, what if we had failed, and what if there was this universe where things didn't go as well, and that, of course, is our universe. So it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a really, I thought, think, cool dynamic. It's probably one of the best redeeming qualities I think the thick has. All right, Keza, you've read Guide Us. I, I did do some reading, but because for time constraints, purposes of time, I, I was um, unable to read every single word. Therefore, I started <laughs> at chapter 22. So as a result, I'm not sure exactly how Neville and Harry ended up slashed across their necks. However, I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Peter Pettigrew got loose and obviously had some kind of blade. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, it, that's it about the extent of it, yeah. Excellent. So now I'm up to speed. So Neville is in the hospital, and Harry has snitches on his pajamas, and Dora has blue hair. So so far, I'm thinking this is all very familiar, and you know it's comforting. You know, I can pick it up because I know, like Mike just pinged me because I know Harry Potter. Apparently, mm-hmm. this is why he had a Harry Potter question, and he came to me. So I feel very. Potter-esque. Um, what's the word? Enable. Like, people, you can trust me with Harry Potter knowledges because apparently I know them. The thing is, 
I still am not sure what happened to Frank and Alice Longbottom in well, this fic. They, they were killed, as far as I understand. They were killed. They were, they're not in St. Oh, Mungo's. So they, they were happened killed. before because then the, their grand was killed. They were dead. They're dead all over the with grand. But I no, no, I believe I, they died it, years ago. correct as in canon, Frank and Alice, and then the change here is that Gran was killed later. They were not dead. I don't they're think in, they're dead in this because... No, that's what I said. They're like canon, they're, in, they're crazy, and then in this oh, one, okay. so they, and in oh, this one, they came yes. Gran. I didn't think that they were crazy because I took that the, the Death Eaters were rounded up, or, you know, Lucius Malfoy went after the Death Eaters, something happened. I took it that Frank and Alice were actually dead, not that's incapacitated. And Fran, yes, and Fran got to Fran. 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 Gran. I'm picturing Fran Drescher raising Fran. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a death eat. It's never run. All right, so. <laughs> Mr. Sheffield. you do a master fic in that place. <laughs> Danielle just, like, woke up to find out what that was. Seriously, it's like Mr. Sheffield. It's the death eat. But. What was um, Fran Drescher's grandmother's name on the name? Yeah, that, yeah, that's fighting yeah, off the yeah. Death Eaters with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> Save Neville. <laughs> Mr. Sheffield. All right, so I'm picturing, so Gran obviously is killed defending uh, Neville because in this timeline now they're, they're going after Neville now because of the prophecy and everything. And you, you're, ra- you're, you're faced with the prospect of Neville being raised by the uncle who dropped him on the head, on his head, to see if he could fly, like off and the And Andromeda finds this entirely unacceptable. Uh, well, Andromeda reminds me of movie Hermione because there is nothing that she can't do. Well, she's just a go-getter. No, she, she's practically a Mary Sue because there's literally nothing she can't... Like, I will raise Neville myself and everyone's like, ooh. Like, she's kind of like a cross between Ginny and Molly Weasley. It's like, like you don't mess with her or you'll get shot with the killing curse. Like, So I, I, I enjoyed Andromeda and the fact that she got to be that very dynamic character in the story, but she, she seemed very, very... Um, almost impossible, almost like a perfect character, someone who will fix everything and there's no stopping me now. And she, she was, I think I'll go with that. She's a cross between Jimmy Weasley and Rhoda Morgenstern. <laughs> uh, I'll send you some tapes. I'll send Speaking you some. of killing curses, is this the first thing um, where the idea of werewolves being pretty much indestructible comes in? It's the first one I've read, because I was actually, I had to keep rereading it. I'm like, why is Remus not dead? Yeah. I was reading that. I was reading it right, and there was, I think it was obviously a flashback scene to back, like, before the fix started, because um, Sirius goes to lunch with Remus, who can't hold down a job, Mm -hmm. so he can't afford food, so he hasn't eaten, and he's, like, wasting away. And, um, And it was like, this, it reminded me of, like, Twilight. Because that's vampires in Twilight, the, the the silly sparkly ones. They can't die. They can only like they can stop eating, but they still don't die. It's like Jack. Who's Jack from Doctor Who? He won't die. You've just totally spoiled Doctor Who. I can never She's watch. She's lying. No. 
Oh, I'm thinking. Oh, it's all right. I'm thinking of the episode where it's on US added fuck up. Mackie hit Bogey Hellsport there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was the fakest cover ever. No, I must be thinking of another series and or sitcom. She really means. All I can remember is Battlestar Galactica. There are people at Battlestar Galactica, the point where I am. They could be being shot right now. And I had to sleep. <laughs> we couldn't watch Aww. them. They're being shot. Billy's a Cylon. So back to Stealing Harry, a fic by Sam of Vines, or whatever the hell Sam's name is. She would have shot Dog. Oh, God. Kaz is trying to figure it out now. But the dog's it doesn't name mean Billy. the dog on New Caprica. What is that dog's name? I haven't seen Caprica. Is it? No, oh, the dog. That dog, the dog with the yellow food bowl. Fun fact: later in the series, they introduce a character, and oh, they wait. and they give the character a cat. And on the message does, board, does he name it Spot? No, the creator oh, of the oh. shows was Ron Moore, and and his wife, her, she went. Her screen name was Mrs. Ron. Would talk on the message board to all the regulars, and the only character Jake. the regulars loved Jake. The only characters the reg- the character the regulars loved more than any was Jake the dog. So they were pissed that the character who came on later had a cat and wasn't like the owner of Jake the dog. And his thing was, I didn't know you were talking to these people. I would have given him Jake the dog if I knew. So there was all this wank over Jake the dog. I love, oh, I love the, 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 uh, the Battlestar Star wiki description of Jake, because I had to go there to find out its name. A dog known for aiding and abetting the new Caprica resistance, resistance as an intermediary. <laughs> <laughs> like, it actually does. Like, the dog like, sitting there, he's like, why is my bowl upside down? Like, he's not really helping. <laughs> oh, look. Here he comes to flip it back up, uh, right side up. <laughs> <laughs> he's an intermediary eating and abetting. Via, typically via his dog bowl. <laughs> Fortunately, it was conveniently emptied before it was tipped over. That would suck if every time he goes over to eat, someone tips <laughs> the food over. Like, that's a hate crime. That's okay, because every time they tip the bowl over, they give him a dog treat, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what it's like? It's like a bribe. Good dog, don't tell anyone I was here. Look at what the hell. <laughs> so, in the fic, there's in, a dog. In the fic, the dog, dog is called Padfoot. And I found <laughs> it very interesting, and I liked this concept that when Sirius was all very stressed, and I believe it was chapter two, because I think Harry had just had a brush with certain death, mm-hmm. and Sirius changed into Padfoot because it's easier to think. And mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, I like the fact that yeah. when their stories were. The, the, the story does it, I think, as well as any, if not better than anything that we've read, where the, the dog itself is a character, and it's not serious, just like, you know, in a dog's body, walking around thinking like serious. He, the, you become the animal, but the animal becomes you. And I think, yeah. I think that, ha, I mean, this is a hard thing to do. Now that everyone can be an animagus, and I would like to think it's more than just about holding an alternate shape. You actually become a little bit of the thing. I mean, you look at, you know, the fact that Wormtail is a rat, and when you look at the fact, you know that the Sirius is like the protective dog. Like when you look at the, I think their characters, it was always meant to be like that, which is good because no, I, that, that's I like think it's meant to be missing. that you can't choose what animal you are. They just sort of, you know. Yeah, the, the the animal that that you are is, is somehow a reflection of of some part of your your personality. Which I, is why I hate the things where, where Harry picks, picks to be an eagle and then he decides he's also going to be a lion and he's also going to be a tiger and Ginny is also going to be a falcon and a dolphin. <laughs> and they're, right. they're, See, I think there is that element. Things. 
But I think that the difference with this fic that I found was that it was saying that not only is the animal that you become, you, you become an animal that is sort of like you, but you also develop traits of that animal as well. Like right, yeah. It becomes a part of you. Like, I mean, if someone that wasn't in the fic that... I, the parts that I read, I don't think she's in there. It, McGonagall, she's a cat and a magus. So I'm trying to think what kind of elements to McGonagall are the same as a cat. And I'm thinking, you know how cats are a little bit haughty? And, you know, the saying, what's the saying about the cat is that you don't own the cat. You know, what, what's that saying? Someone yeah, you don't own the cat. Cat owns you. Cat owns yeah. you. Yeah. And, and so you're not the cat's owner. No, but anyway, and so I'm trying to think what elements of McGonagall is like the cat, and it's sort of like, I, I don't think it necessarily has to be you are like a cat, therefore the Animagus is the cat. It's like you show a lot of those traits. It's part of you, and as you transform more, it, it probably solidifies that. And there are parts of McGonagall that are very cat-like in that she moves like a cat mm-hmm. as a person. Like, um, And I'm thinking of the movies mainly, but you can see it in the books as well. She's a regal sort of person who, you know, stands with her back ramrod straight and um, she stares at you for long moments of time. Yes. I have a coworker who's like a cat. She just stares at you for thirty seconds, and I stare back at her because I can't let the piercing gazes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and and you know how cats can sometimes they look at you and they're looking into your soul and they know your deepest, darkest secrets. I swear, it, McGonagall yeah. is like that. She can just look at you. And you just have to just spill your guts about everything yeah. because she's looking at you. And you know that she already knows what you've been up to and where you've been and what you've been doing. So she's very much like a cat. And I'm thinking, how much of that is because she's already like the cat? How much of it has been drawn out of fact that she's being your mate? Well, the thing I would like to think is that the fact that you're, these characters are so young when they become Animagi is, is is part of, of the reason why that's so special. Because I would like to think that you need to be, like, quote-unquote, you know, at peace with yourself and at one with yourself and know yourself and, and know those things about yourself. Recognize that you were like a cat or you were like a rat, you know, or you were like the dog, and, 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 and discover who you are so that you... you right. But at the same time, he was the leader, and that is very much what his what his animagus form was. Right. How many fifteen year olds know who they are and know a lot about themselves and recognize their flaws and recognize like half the people who are eighteen apply to colleges and don't know what they want to do with their lives, and they and they right. pick yeah. careers that they're never going to you know prosper on because they need to be a little older and a little wiser to know that they really would love to be a veterinarian. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the fact that you know someone who's the, their age knows I am the dog and I am the rat and I am the, you know, you know, so forth. I mean, that's part of the, I think, the magic about it. So I like the fact that it's, yeah, it's difficult. Do you think that maybe at 15, at the time they became an animagus, that maybe they didn't fully know that, but it, they could have been there anyway? Like, who at 15 is going to admit to themselves that they're a rat? <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? You know, like, it's going to happen anyway, even if you might not understand it or admit it. It might be something that happens anyway. So Peter's sitting there like, rat, I am so not a rat. You know, but either through being the rat, he becomes more like the rat. Well, that really is how he is. And his, his subconscious or whatever knows it, even if he's not. Do you think, like, the magic knows that, like, Peter's ready to turn into a parrot and he turns into a rat? He's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like the sorting hat. Yeah, the sorting yeah. hat sees... The sorting hat can see. Eleven yeah. years old, you know, who's to know that you're ambitious at eleven? Yeah. You know? Well, doesn't Dumbledore say then the end he of the does series, say maybe though, we sort we too early? Yeah. 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 I think with Animega, though, it's a different thing because when you transform into an animal, you're transforming into a into a more basic form, and so it's 
in in some ways, I think the the Animagus form ref, uh, reflects a more uh, core version of yourself that, that, you, that you really can't deny. Uh, so, if Peter wanted to, let's say, transform into a parrot, there's no way. He, you know, at his core, he's a rat. You know? I mean, yeah. if you could choose, yeah. then everybody would be something cool. Yeah, right. you'd have 50,000 lions walking around. And you would, there, there'd be, there'd be poop <laughs> and phoenixes. And... Exactly. <laughs> I mean, people wouldn't even, I mean, if you could choose, you wouldn't even be a stag. I mean, I can't imagine that James at 15 sat down and thought, gee, I really want to be a stag. I, want to be <laughs> I still look okay. at it and go, I think that is the stupidest animagus form ever. I still don't. I'm just you know what I would be? I don't even get, like, what are the stag-like qualities. You know what I would be? Yeah. An elephant. Like, I that's my it. luck. That's my luck. What can Elephants you do with Elephants are my that? favorite animal. I can sit on Slytherins. What can I do with that? <laughs> well, here's the thing, too. My question <laughs> is, they wanted or needed to be big enough animals that they could control Remus. Right. So they're a very large dog and but a stag. Could, and then there's Peter. And then there's Peter, who's just Why would they choose to be Why would he choose to be a rat? Because if, if they were sneaky. Choosing, they had to have someone that could get to the knot of the tree. That was, re, that was Peter's right. thing. Uh, so I wonder if there was some control. Just yeah, because what are the odds if we're doing this whole thing to keep Remus company and we're all goldfish? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, then you could then look at the whole thing with the Patronus. You know, Harry is you know, is a stag after his dad, but is your Patronus form in any way linked to that same magic? Like, would your Patronus? It's linked to what very magic well have be. You done. All the Patronuses we've seen, though, from Animagi, haven't they been the same? McGonagall's Patronus is a cat. Is it right? Who else? Yeah. Do we know? Yes, the Phoenix. But he doesn't have a... uh, We don't know any other. No, I'm just thinking we don't know any other Animagus. Yeah, we, we never saw Remus Sirius Peter's Patronus. Do we, we never see Remus Patronus? No. Well, Remus I think we saw Remus as well. He's not an Animagus. We saw that. Oh, that's true. He's not an Animagus. You're absolutely right. Your Patronus is linked to your happy thoughts. It's your happy place. And Sirius never fired off Patronus in Prisoner of Azkaban because he was too. I only date that from McGonagall, but I still think it's true that your Animagus form is your Patronus. Well, you'd have to think that they're somewhat linked because why would you be like a rapid. Patronus is always an animal. Um. J.K. Rowling has said it, so I would assume that your Patronus would would be. But I'm thinking, I, would assume, I wonder then, like Harry if would you be a take, stag? if your Patronus, I wonder mm. if I think if you are not an Animagus, if you became one, your Patronus would change. Your Patronus would change. Patronuses are affected by what makes them happy. Like for example, because Snape loved Lily, his Patronus was a doe. But Snape's Animagus form would obviously not be a doe because he is a boy and he would be a stag. So well, and it's the same thing with... Uh, Otherwise, he would be a cross Yeah, and we also know yes. that, exactly, with, uh, with Tonks, her, her Animagus uh, changed. Changed into a wolf. Into a... Her Patronus changed into a wolf. Patronus, sorry. Did I say yes. Animagus? Yeah. You did, yeah. but that's okay. So I think that if, if you... Um, maybe if you are in love with an Animagus, then maybe your Patronus takes that form, too. That's it's possible. whatever. It's it's wherever you draw your, your protective strength from. Yeah. <laughs> you are the reason for my Patronus. Okay. Well, some things <laughs> might be yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would like a, a possible explanation, because this has been bothering me, and this has got nothing to do with me, but you know how Ginny's... Ginny's is it a, either a horse or a stallion. Or it's, it's a, a horse. It's a, how? How? What has that got to do with Harry? Seriously. It doesn't. I didn't say that they all did. I said if, if you're in love with an animagus. Everybody, I've seen people do it in fan fiction, how um, 
you know, that Ginny's Patronus is directly re- linked to Harry. And I would think it would be in some way. Was it Melinda's fic that Ginny's Patronus was actually Harry with the Gryffindor from. sword? <laughs> yeah, but that's not real. But, you know, where does her Patronus come from? I don't understand why a horse is her. I don't get it. Yeah, you why, can ask, why you can ask the same question about Hermione being an otter. Hermione is being an otter. Because Ron comes from Otter St. Catchpole near the Otter River. Ah. Oh. Someone went to college. Hermione. Just like Ron. Who's this a Cocker Spaniel? That's it's Hermione. It's not a Cocker Spaniel, it's a Jack Russell Terrier, and that's yeah. Ron. Which is like Ron. I mean, that's Ron, isn't it? Okay, yeah. here, here's yeah. one for you. So Jenny, as a small child, was at the burrow, and Arthur was sitting in Arthur's chair. It's Archie Bunker's chair, but transported into the burrow, and Arthur's wearing, you know, he's Archie Bunker's white. got a white. pillow on his Yes, and he's, he's got a he's pillow, got a pillow on his pillow. lap, and he's wearing his, you know, Archie's white shirt, and, and Molly's in the kitchen oh. getting him a beer. And Arthur is sitting in Archie Bunker's chair with his white shirt on, and Molly's getting him a beer in the kitchen, and, and Jenny is just, you know, playing on the floor, and she looks up at her dad, and, and Arthur can tell a little father-son, father-daughter moments coming on, and she walks over, and she gives him a big hug, and she sits on his lap, and she looks up at him, and her eyes get big as saucers, and she smiles, and she says, Daddy, I want a pony. That's where it comes from. I, I have the true story why. <laughs> oh, God, it's not that. Right. I wanted to say, Cho Chang is either, either she loves Harry or she loves Cedric in Order of the Phoenix. Do you agree? Yes. Cedric. Why is, why, how is the swan Harry? She doesn't love Harry. She's pining for Cedric. Why is Cedric a swan? How is Cedric a swan? How is Cedric a swan? But Cedric is dead, so I expect her her Patronus comes from somewhere else. Are they really? Yeah. Swans are narcissistic? Okay. Yeah. The phone is ringing again. I'm not going to answer it because I don't want to talk to Bob from Melbourne again. Okay, keep going. That's <laughs> the real story the behind that we okay. have. Ginny's uh, Patronus is a horse because Ginny is based on a favorite book of J.K. Rowling. When she was a little girl, what, she Black read... Beauty? No, I have no idea what the book is. But she read a story about a little red-haired girl who loved horses. I don't remember what the name of the book was. But that's why we have Ginny, the little red-headed girl, whose Patronus is a horse. Okay. Yeah. Well, that just basically can blows I, our theories out of the Can I answer my stump because no one has been able to answer this? All right, what's your stumper? Stump us. Okay, what is the fic where Ginny goes to Italy and becomes an intruder? Oh, um. Oh, she goes to this. She goes to France. It's uh, seeking Jenny. Thank you. It's seeking Jenny, and she asks. She goes to France. I beat you. (laughs) Why did I think it was Italy? No, No, it wasn't. It wasn't Italy. And she learns. Um. Oh, what's this? Something. No. What's what's the what's the word that means basically like nonsense speaking? Uh, uh. Yeah, she learns gibberish. She becomes an expert in gibberish and does what all college graduates do. She comes home and does nothing with her career. <laughs> with her degree, and she's just like completely different. She opens a bookstore. I have no idea what she does. Re- Sirius opens a bookstore. Yes. Yes, she does. I was very amused by how attached both Sirius and Remus were to the bookstore, because I always interpreted that yeah. bookstore was like the cover. Like yeah, they, I didn't think they cared about it. Like, I mean, I know Remus likes books, um, but I didn't realize that, you know, they were really that attached to it. Like, what I was picturing was, you know, like, Petunia's... Oh, you know, I don't know. It's like a safe haven for them, too. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm just picturing yeah. Petunia sitting on the front porch of, 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 of Grimmel Place. Oh, God. I, I, let me rephrase. <laughs> I am not picturing Petunia on the front porch of Grimmel Place. Or, the, or, or are we calling it the town? Townhouse at Grimmauld Place, I believe it's now. <laughs> it's, it's number 13? 
Number Grindelwald 13. House yes, place? Yes, uh, 13 Grindelwald Place, that is correct. Yeah, I'm picturing yeah. Petunia still on the front steps of Privet Drive, and, like, every time she looks away, Remus and Sirius have, like, a newspaper stand, and they're slowly moving them in front of the house, and every time she looks over, they drop it and set up shop, and then every time she looks back, <laughs> they move it a little bit more to the right. Like, that's Aww. what I'm picturing the entire time, so it was actually funny, once they get Harry, they still go to work every day, and, and Remus still needs a raise, and they, they miss their friends from, you know, the disco store like or whatever like, i just well apparently it is it is a cover because there are books that they that they need to save from the from the fire with this uh spell the ex 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 something or other libris experio mm. libris or something and they um get transported and, to hogwarts and they they yeah, send directly to hogs to to hogs to, to hogwarts where uh, they go into like the restricted section or something well, well, that's, my, more, that's more because those were like magic books they were using. It wasn't like they were trying to protect their assets. <laughs> but they were they were rare books that they were trying to protect. That they had set that spell on there so that if anything ever happened to the bookstore, they would be able to save those books. But, but you know what the thing was? The here's the thing that got me about the end of the story. They seemed very concerned about the bookstore. My thought would be, who gives a damn about the bookstore? You know, obviously they're they're more worried about Harry than the bookstore. But their preoccupation with the bookstore lasted a great deal of time. And the other thing that got me about the end of the story is obviously you have the confrontation at the graveyard with um with Peter Pettigrew who looks like a goat. We'll get to that in a minute. And no, then they go not. into then they go into the witness protection program. Now here's the thing: <laughs> Harry feels bad about everything in the world. Everything is his fault. He feels terrible about everything. So the thing, you know, that hasn't really happened yet in the story, but the thing with Harry is you never want to make him feel bad. You know what I mean? So, or picture any human being, picture anyone in the circumstance. So your 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 family business burns down, and now you have to go in the witness protection program, and your new names are Ed and Larry. All right, and you live in this house in the middle of the nowhere with the most uncomfortable couch ever. Okay, that's that's your new life right now. So so Harry feels bad about the fact that because of him, they're all in the witness protection program. Now, anyone in their right mind would say, you know, we love it here, we, we, we love it, there's fields, and I can grow corn and pumpkins and grapes and all kinds of shit. And what's mostly important <laughs> is that you are alive and we are all together. Like, anyone knows that. You are alive, we are all together. Those are the top two things, okay? Right. How many freaking ways do they have to bring up in a sentence the fact that they don't like being in the witness protection program in front of Harry? They keep saying it. And then he's like, I'm so sorry that we're in the witness protection program, and you must feel so terrible about that. Oh, and, and no, they, stealing you was the best idea I ever had. Well, they come up with that once, but then the rest of the time, they're like, it's okay, we'll get over it. Like, they make it like... Like, like, they are awful at this. They keep He's going to need therapy. He's going to need therapy. They're all like... And, oh, no. and then they're like, no, it's fine. Oh, damn, I missed my bookstore. Damn, I missed my room. I missed my car. My magic wand. My, I, my, but don't worry, Harry. I'm sure we'll find some way of getting on here in the country because we're here because of you, but whatever. Don't feel <laughs> and it's bad. All, and it's only two and a half years. Yeah, I mean, like, I might... You know, what's two and a half years of other unhappiness, Harry. We're reasonably yeah, pleased that you're alive. Like, it's like, oh my god, like, they, they, they're the worst 
parents the priorities and are a little skewed here. Well, no, like it's 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 seriously, it's like you're having money problems at home, and little Sally walks up to you and says, "Daddy, here's here's a quarter from my piggy bank. Will that help?" And you're like, "Yes!" And you rip it off her hand. <laughs> like you don't do that. There's ways of doing this. Oh my god! And he was so brave through the whole abduction thing. Harry is the kid on CNN who called 911 and saved the family farm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Except the bookstore still burned up. Well, the, the bookstore burned to the ground. But that was because Remus and Sirius are idiots, <laughs> and they leave. Looks like Snape, we're gone! Take care of the kid! And it's, they're out of there. And well, the, the thing that got me, too, was I liked the, the pacing of it. They arrive at the graveyard. And Harry doesn't have his glasses, so of course, good news, Snape can reach into Harry's mind and look through Harry's eyes. Bad news, if he could do it there, he probably could have done it in canon, but whatever. But the other thing is now, he can't see where the hell they are because Harry is blind as a freaking bat. So then it's like, where are you? I see trees. Okay, I know instantly where they are. We'll be there in five. It's Just like, open your eyes. I open your eyes. Okay. I'm picturing Harry getting like two inches away from the gravestone trying to read it. He's like doing the braille thing. It's a guy named Bob Hufflepuff. Where am I? Harry sees dead people. <laughs> and there's, there's got to be something about the fact I, that... I thought that was stupid. Oh, that well, Snape would see for I don't know. I just have to jump back in. I keep the phone keeps ringing. And I'm like, oh, I'm <laughs> you're, being, you're being like harassed by Indians. So what you're saying is that you didn't think that Snape could do remote assistance through Harry? Is that what you're saying? I thought that <laughs> Snape was... is Snape is on Star. Mister <laughs> <laughs> Father, I know you're in a graveyard. Do you need me to call emergency services? <laughs> okay, this is like the Twilight Zone episode of Puff Off for me. I still don't know what you're talking about. Keza, you're driving on the motorway, all right? And on all the wrong the, side of the road. On the wrong side of the road. Picture Keza. Freeway. You're, 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 oh, whatever the hell you're in. You're, in the free, you're on the freeway. <laughs> all right, you're in the car on the left side of the road, on the right side of the car. And all of a sudden, yep. you need to know if Puffwa has been released. So you press the big red button, which isn't in an ejector seat. And, and, you, and you get, you know, Oprah from OnStar. And you're like, Hello, is, this is OnStar. How may I help you? Has Puffwa been released yet? One moment, let me find out. <laughs> and you're still driving, and you don't have to do anything. Okay, actually, the real reason it exists, not for Ryan's frivolous, uncorrect example. <laughs> they do is, that, too! If you're in a crash, it knows, and then a voice will appear and says, Hello, Keza, we detect that you've been in a crash. Will you let me to send an ambulance? And you're like, my <laughs> nose is shoved into the steering wheel. Okay, I'm still unclear as to what this thing, a remote like it knows okay, if you've been in a crash, you can tell the lady and she will call a policeman and an ambulance. Is no, it a no, real lady? A, yes, it's a real lady. It's a real lady and she sends a real policeman and they, she can tell where you are based on her technology. So, so what happens is the car smashes into the wall, much like the bus in speed. Yes. And <laughs> crashes into the wall on the edge of the freeway, highway, motorway, depending which country you are in. And your car is now wrapped around a pole. Yes. And your car car sends a distress signal to a lady sitting on the other end of a telephone and she pounces on the phone and picks it up and says, I can tell you've been in a crash. Would you like an ambulance? Yes. And that just blares out of speakers in your car like a little disco speakers, yes. right? And you and can also use it to ask if Puff was been released. 
And so you're laying there in a pool of blood bleeding from, you know, multiple injuries and you go, send the help. And she touches her little cuter because she knows they, exactly. If, yes. they if you don't respond, they'll probably send an ambulance automatically because they'll assume you're very injured. Right. That's exactly okay. right. Okay. If you have so a like the burglar people. So what you're saying is that Snape is the on-star lady. Harry, I've yes. noticed that you're in a graveyard. Do you need emergency services? I will remain on the line with you until help arrives. <laughs> so, so I don't. That, okay, I don't buy that. I think that's just ridiculous. I think that's that silly because if they did that, they'd have done it before. Like all those times that Harry like went missing down into the Chamber of Secrets, and after the Sorcerer's well, Stone. No, the difference is stuff. Snape here likes Harry, and they tight. Yo, well, so. if Snape had this magic one-star power, Dumbledore would have made him use it. Well, that's true, too. Snape can do it. Dumbledore can do it. Dumbledore is better wizard. Well, can you picture Harry's in the graveyard, and he's like, I'll hope it's lost, and you hear a, like, a voice from the heavens. Hello? <laughs> it's, a vo- it's like Etai's voice. Hello? God is talking to Harry. <laughs> I just thought it was a really stupid thing. I, I just... I fe- I Heavens I to think- Harry. Come in, Harry. And he's like, looking around Harry, I can't see anything. Where the hell... Are-? No, seriously, picture on star comes on, Harry's like, I'm so glad I invested in this service. And you know, he's eight and would never use invested in this sentence. Open and, and, your and, eyes. And he's like, great, Staples, send help. Now, Harry, where exactly are you? And Harry's like, isn't that the point of this service that you know where I am in case of an emergency? Oh, I'm sorry. Now, where are you? I don't know. I'm inside a tree. Does that help? I'm somewhere where it's dark. <laughs> See, to me, that was rubbish rubbish because it's a quick fix because it's like oh crap we've kidnapped harry we need to find out where he's mm, let's invent some really improbable magic to cut down the fact that we have to go and find harry and that way we don't need to use our brains yes, there's no like mystery they, it's about like they it knew the story was about to end like you ever get but, that um, feeling like you come yeah. to the end of the story it's and it's like the author thinks it. that they only have 28 chapters like, uh, they, like the author thinks it's a tv show and they have to finish it in 13 episodes so when they get to the end they're like oh shit we're how would you have gotten them there? How would you have gotten... Because in this plot line, Harry can't escape in his own because there's no Triwizard Cup. So they have to come to him. How would they know to go to the graveyard? But that's what I mean. There should have been something if put in you, place that they would deduct it, deduce it, like detective work. That would have been more satisfying that they would figure it out. Mm. Like, that, even if it was a ransom note... Even if Peter's like wants, it, because let's say he's a megalomaniac idiot and he wants to do this in front of an audience, and so he sends them a note he's so that they for come sharks. to get Harry. He's looking for sharks with lasers on their heads. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. So we see. It's like it's like a cop show where it's like they know that like. Tom Riddle's father is buried in this graveyard, and they go after it. I get annoyed by all the fan fictions where where Voldemort camps out either at the Riddle House or Malfoy Manor for thirty five chapters. Like no one would think to look there. It's right. <laughs> but I he's can the, see since Obama. He's in Bin Laden's cave. <laughs> did you just call Bin Laden Obama? <laughs> no, you are a I did. bad Democrat. Bad, I did not. Bad, I was going to say Osama Democrat. Bin Laden. I just left it. Came out Obama. Came out Obama. Bad, bad, bad Democrats. All right, we now have to apologize to all Democrats everywhere. Including me. I must apologize for myself. Me too. So I could see Remus and Sirius kind of getting together and saying, hmm, you know, there's a possibility that Peter could somehow sneak in here and steal Harry. Let's put a tracking device on him. 
That would also be more viable than Snape in Harry's head. See, you know, Snape is in Harry's yeah, head. And you know why? They I were hate too that. Busy, they were too busy. Um, how do, how do we say? Shaggy, yes. Canoodling. In fairness, oh, their place oh. of business had burned to the effing ground, so they were inspecting <laughs> property okay, damage. as regards to the serious Remus Shaggy. Okay, this is what I just, it just made me laugh, okay? Remus says to Sirius, are you sure? Are you really, really sure? Yes, I'm pretty sure I'm really sure. So you think <laughs> sure? Yeah, I think I'm sure, yeah. Okay, but I don't know what I'm doing. You may have to teach me. That's okay. I'm good at teaching. Okay, let us curl up now and go to sleep without doing anything. And Sirius lays there awake going, oh, I don't know how to do boy sex. Whatever will I do? And so Andromeda comes in, you know, and to Andromeda and, yes, and then there are books about talking. <laughs> exactly. She's like, so you finally figured it out then, huh? What do you mean? Everybody knows this but me. Oh, my goodness. He looks at you like he has stars in his eyes and everyone melts away when you walk in the room. Oh, That's really? not exactly <laughs> how it happened. That's what happened. No, and what happened like, No, what happened yes, was Andromeda walked in the room. And sex. It's okay, Sirius. There are books. I will find one for you and give it to you in front of Harry and my daughter. Not a problem. No, well, the, the way I remember it, correct me if I'm wrong, the way I remember it is Andromeda <laughs> knocks on the door, walks in the room, Sirius is in bed, Remus is naked, getting out of the other side of the bed. And six he's chapters later... He's not getting out. He's naked. He's, he's naked. Not and out. six chapters later, Andromeda looks at Remus. Remus, I want you to know. I know. And Remus is like, <gasps> you know? Like, <laughs> How do you know? Oh boy, you know. You were naked. My serious is there like, okay, I'm gonna, I like, I like this man and I need to find out how to do voice sex. Don't know how to do it. <laughs> well, I had an unfortunate incident where I was I was skipping over the hardcore sex um, portion. There was that hardcore sex portion. There was hardcore sex portion. There was hard. enough sex in there. There was hardcore. <laughs> we, we've we've had that episode. So he tried to did the you clicking that you were seventeen. It didn't take out some of the hardcore sex. Or did I, you? I, I wait, a minute, wait a minute. 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 I decided no, not to. That's not how it works. If you click that you're not 17, you can't read it at all. Thank you. I, it doesn't edit the There's story. not doesn't a magic st- editing function. <laughs> Takes out all the bad oh, okay. I Well, I didn't know. Because one of the stories the I read, it... That's that's why I decided not to. No, didn't Scott accidentally get the PG-13 version of Lavender Brown series, and then we gave him the real one, yes. and he was like, oh yeah. my. <laughs> he was like, what is all the fuss about? This story is eight chapters long, and we were like, no, it's 27. <laughs> they cut out everything had breasts in it. <laughs> well, we've had fix where we've, like on Phoenix Song, where they have an extra chapter or two yeah. that this if you're, yeah, this, this isn't is one of them. Like because if you if you click if you click on Fiction Alley if you click no I'm not 17 it takes you to a screen that says would your parents approve of you reading this story and if no. you click if you click no then they're like we're sorry you cannot read this story goodbye oh see, I know I just assumed that it was a PG version because I knew that there were PG versions of- no, no, and, no, 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 and no. yes you can skip the hardcore sex scene yeah you can skip it and not complain and not lose any of the story well I skipped over for it and I skipped too far and it was like skipping, 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 Remus was sucking. Skipping, skipping, skipping. Sirius was enjoying himself. Skipping, skipping, skipping. Arthur's sausage. I'm like, <gasps> then I realized I skipped over to the following breakfast. The following morning. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why we don't skip. I know, but just this once, it's okay. And we, we've had the entire episode on whether or not that's alright. So oh my god, why do I have this sudden picture in my head of oh, Ryan? Oh no. Skipping! <laughs> skip, skip, skip. 
skipping. Skip, skip, skip. So all I can say about this story, looking back on it, is aside from the wonderful moment, you know, with the quantum realities and the fact that Remus is akin to the fact that there's another world out there where things did not go out so well for them by J.K. Rowling, and aside from the moments where, and basically any scene where Harry has frog is a great scene. Yes, yes. Other than that, it's... I I was picturing Kermit, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Other than that, though, this is the the series where Remus and Sirius are outwitted by Goat Boy. (laughs) Yeah, what was that about? That, that, uh, why, how, why did he turn into a goat? Well, he had the eyes of a goat. Okay, but what? Yes. Okay. It's why? It's a figure of speech. It's a figure of speech. He did that. It's it's like you have your mother's eyes. They're not actually the eyes of Lily's mother. <laughs> okay. Well, I I thought that he. I got very excited. He dropped everything. He was old. That was that not was me. Kittens. That oh, was kitten. my kitten. I just blame Ty for everything. Sorry, dude. Yeah. Well, that's okay. You know, yeah, um, Mazel tov. <laughs> no, I have I, got to find this because one time somebody did a a fan art of it says um. You have your mother's eyes, and it was a picture of Harry, and next to him was a jar. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's been watching Hot Shots. Well, no, it reminded me of Power of Truth, which I think Itai is reading at the time. I I finished that yesterday. Did you finish the sequel as well? Was that the sequel? No, I I was planning to today. today I was planning to today, but I'll do it tomorrow. Just out of curiosity, in the story you've read, who is Ginny married to? Oh, no. In Power of Truth? Yes. Yes. She was married to... She was married to Dean, and then she marries Harry. So she had she has several girls with Dean. She correct? has three girls by Dean, yes. And, and and Harry looks at the girls and thinks they look just like they could be his children, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Did anything jump out that you're reading that? <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that Dean is black. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's their wonderfully precocious biracial children. Yes. Giving. They look um, just like Harry. Exactly. They, they look just like me. I'm like, you're not black. Maybe Harry's, maybe Harry's blind. <laughs> <laughs> he has goat eyes. You know what I'm picturing? I'm picturing that for whatever reason, something didn't go well with all of the different blood spells that he's doing, and Peter lost his eyes and had to, like, substitute in goat eyes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, picturing, I'm picturing the sassy goat, the sassy goat's eyes. The oh, no. Goat. Not I that. have to say, <laughs> having a goat and, and having the goat stare into my eyes on occasion, goat eyes are creepy. <laughs> oh my gosh, I found I found the cousin to the sassy goat. I would just like to point out that we are the podcast whose mascot is a dead goat. So a I think dead goat. Here, here is the military and and I'm pet sitting, and one of the cats I'm pet sitting is named Bernard. Can we get photos? Does anyone have pictures of goat eyes that we can use as a cross comparison? Oh my god! <laughs> There's actually a question: Why are goats' eyes scary? They're scary. Oh yeah, look oh at them. Oh my goodness, that thing is evil. It wants to eat my soul. Oh, back, back, <laughs> back, back. Why? Why? How come on the screen eyes. for goat eyes? Why is there a picture of Spock smoking? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know they're, they they are they're thin. <laughs> what do you call it? The black their pupils are horizontal lines. That's an awful. All right, movie. I think Peter Pettigrew might be the scariest villain of all time. Oh, it's, it's absolutely. I can't do this anymore. I, oh, oh my god. Okay, Sue. I don't know how you do what you do. It's because of um, devil, you know, devil eyes. They are of the devil. Yeah, goats. Goats are the devil's children. 
it looks like. Well, ours is dead, but we still miss him very much. Unfortunate <laughs> lightning strike. So I think what we can say right now is that the fact that Sirius and Remus and Harry go into the witness protection program has nothing to do with the strength of Peter Pettigrew or the fact that he's a danger. They just don't want to have to look at him. <laughs> That's well, it. who I would? We, I think we can all agree on that. So um, with that, what other comments do you guys have on Stealing Harry? I know a few of you have read like every word of it today, or in the case of Keza, every third word of it today. <laughs> what points do you have that you want to address? Insert crickets Insert here. crickets. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm thinking. Crickets, uh, crickets. The thing I have with the story itself is that I love the quantum reality portion of it because I love the fact that an AU world can, can make itself canon and can you can reasonably believe that all these different things are happening at once because it makes mm-hmm. fan fiction make that much more sense. Why the hell is Harry always going back for seventh year? He's been there 50 <laughs> times. So right. I think that on some level makes it make sense. This particular story... I have to say I was hoping for a little bit more just based on the really fabulous premise that I was under the impression or just because of the really fabulous premise. It was it was just bizarre. It was, you know, in the world where um you know, where, you know Harry was rescued at age eight, where Remus I'm sorry, where Sirius owned a bookstore, which was a very unserious thing to do. So I was picturing characters who were very different. I was picturing something along the lines of they shook hands where you have like Lucius Malfoy as a Tony Soprano type character. Yeah. And you just have different the characters are different. Here, as far as I can tell, this entire world is different because Remus didn't know which way to go on the motorbike and they got lost. Mm-hmm. And Lucius Malfoy, for whatever reason, shot Peter Pettigrew and I don't even know why he did that. It was never explained. And it was it was just it was it was weird. It was it was basically like here's the st- instead of here's you know different characters and a different spin, a very creative spin, it was basically here's what would have happened if Sirius tripped. And Harry and Harry also in this one, sort of took on a um, sort of a Hermione-ish slant in that he really likes books mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Um, and, and that sort of, to me, seemed something that I could take or leave. It didn't, I mean, it didn't exactly fit, but it didn't <laughs> entirely bother me either. Why did you like it? it because it, me. Why did it bother you? I didn't like it. That's not Harry's character. But I did right. like. I did enjoy the part that if you have a Harry who's actually in the process of being locked in the cupboard every night, you know, wh- like escape. in Melinda made. I think it was Melinda made the great point: the fact that Harry got all, all of Dudley's old books. You know, so he, mm-hmm. he they probably wouldn't care if he if he read. But the difference it was, be- an, it was an escape. It was an escape, but it was yeah. also a book. There's no way in hell Dudley is reading C.S. Lewis. I don't care. No, if it's of on the course not. List. No. But but somebody could have given him C.S. Lewis, and he looks at the cover and says, "I don't like this," and throws it on the floor. Right. That's very typical because that's that's a children's book. My brother got so many books that he never even right. cracked the cover on. But I could see the part that maybe Harry, you know, in that circumstance, would want to read. Plus, there was the part that it was something that was forbidden. Because if he found a book on the floor, he might just read it in the jerseys wouldn't care. But if it's something that someone mm-hmm. who cared about him gave him, they would want to take it away just for no other reason than they wouldn't want him to have it, whatever it is. So right. it, it was the, it was in the world that a lot, he was able to escape. And maybe if Harry had access to books, you know, more when he was in the cupboard, maybe he would have been more of a bookworm at the time because he would have had nothing else to do all day, and that's a way to get to get out. Um, mm-hmm. So I did enjoy that one. The one that, and I really enjoyed the characterization of Harry, especially when he went into the toy store for the first time, and he was very—he was like a child of the depression. He got a good, reasonable toy. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I don't need. This is what I need, and this is what I'm living with. Okay. 
Yeah, you know, which is Harry anyway. I mean, he I, can't... I, I need a nightlight, so I'm going to get a glowing robot, but that's as far as I'm going. Because, like, it also doubles as a fun toy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like everything has to have four purposes. So, so I, I, I really do enjoy that. Um, the series Remus Angle, what I liked about the story is that because it was a slash ship, and because it was written being something new. And it was written from the perspective of the readers aren't expecting this. They're expecting two heterosexual characters. And here's how we bring these two characters together. Because sometimes you'll read very poorly written stories where the characters are all gay in the story. Or, or Harry randomly loves Luna. No explanation given in the story. Here it actually takes you, and it shows the fact that, that Remus is initially uncomfortable with it, and Sirius is uncomfortable with it, and they kind of have to grow into it. So I like the fact that they felt like real characters learning something, and I have no idea, you know, I've never decided to become gay, so I have no idea, you know, if it's even possible or, if, you know, or if it's written realistically from that perspective, but I appreciate the fact that the author actually went on that little journey, because I think that was helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it wasn't just an A to Z, it, it took us through at least some steps so that we weren't, and how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I have a, I, don't particularly write like reading um, Harry Potter slash, but of if if I'm going to, it it's this pairing. Yeah, because to me, <laughs> because, because to me, this is the most plausible of the pairings. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. And I liked the way that you know, like you were just saying, that it was a journey, and that there's a line somewhere I don't have it exactly in front of me, but it's. You know, Sirius is like, I like girls, but I like Remus better. And it's yeah. like, um, I think it was PS said last week, it's not that, or Rina said, you know, it's not about two people being gay together or whatever. It's two people that are in love with each other. And it doesn't matter if they're both men or if there was a man and a woman or what. It's just two people in love. Yeah, that was Rina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I answered it. You say it like it's not something I would ever say. <laughs> no, no, that was Rena. <laughs> no, I'm just be... saying that because I just said it. Yeah, actually. I know you said it. Well, the problem I have with Remus and Sirius just is, is a couple together is that I don't particularly love the Marauder characters in and of themselves. I love what they mean to Harry. And like, yes. I'm reading Kez's fic right now, so it's kind of like, you know, the next generation where now Harry is the grown-up, you know, in comparison to Teddy. So I mm-hmm. love the symmetry, and I love what they meant for James and Lily and what they mean now for Harry and what, you know, Harry will mean for for Remus's child. So I love that perspective, but I don't necessarily love Marauder era fics or love them in and of itself. So it's weird for me because I'm reading pretty much the only legitimate slash pairing in the series but the two characters I'm not very fond of if they're the only ones in the room. So it's weird for me. Yeah. Like It's like um, we talked last week, um, P.S. is writing a story in Battlestar Galactica that's a, a, an Admiral Dama Colonel Ty slash. And while you might argue, you know, they're only good friends, they never date each other, whatever, those are characters that we know because they're the, they're the focal characters of a series. So we, mm-hmm. we're used to them being the only ones in the room together. So that's... Right. I, I, I sometimes I feel like for me it's like if I must read Slash and Harry Potter, this is the best I'm gonna get these two characters, which is unfortunate because you would never picture Harry and Ron. So sorry. No, yeah. or Harry no. or Draco. 
Oh, oh, for Abathur, yeah. oh, let's not go there. I just, I don't, I guess what I have with, I, I can see how Remus Sirius is plausible and how everyone's like, oh, this is plausible, most plausible slash ship, try saying that five times fast, <laughs> slash ship there is. But I just, I like them better as friends. I think it was what you were saying about um, Ty and Adama. I don't, like, as the series is going on, I don't see them together together anymore. At the start, I was flippantly saying, at the start, I flippantly went, oh, are they life partners? <laughs> um, <laughs> because at the start, it could have gone either way. But I think as I'm getting to um, know the characters... Well, that's because his stupid I, wife came back. Probably. Like, I don't, I, I don't buy it as much. Um, and I don't buy it with Remus and Sirius because I, I prefer, I think is probably the word, I prefer the friend dynamic that they have. Like, those four guys had a friendship that was really important. Like, the Harry-Ron friendship to me is the same thing. That's why I don't like Harry-Ron slash either because that's not the relationship they had. It's crossing that line. No, what is wrong yes. with the friendship? Everyone needs a friend. I have, Well, there's know, nothing wrong like with that. It's too. Just, you know, different things. You know, it's like saying, like, if you have, you know, chocolate ice cream, it's not because there's something wrong with vanilla ice cream. It's that you wanted chocolate ice cream today. Right. I, 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 I agree with you, Kaza. Um, I, like I said, I, I don't lo- particularly go out of my way to read Slash, but it, because, and the friendship dynamic is fine. It's, it's, it's Yeah, great. I got nothing against the friendship. Yeah, yeah like, I'll but, even... But if it if but if I'm gonna read any slash at all, this would be the only one. Yeah, I I could make an argument that Sirius and Re- like let's use the I think it was the Ringa comment that we just made that it's the difference between you know being gay with with each other and being in love with each other. I can buy right. that Sirius and Remus are in love with each other. I can buy that Ty and it, and Bill Dama are in love with each other. You know, if Ty and Adama were the only two people left on Earth, which you know they're, they're, mm-hmm. they 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 came somewhere close to being, you know, I, I think they would be Stop in love with spoiling. each other. <laughs> I I I imagine the beginning is a holocaust in the first episode, but you know what I mean. I, like you 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 could make the argument, you know, that they wouldn't need a romantic pairing because they're just they're, they're closer than anyone have ever been. Like Adama loves Ty loves Adama more than he loves his wife. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm fine with that. They don't need to do X-rated things for me. Well, it's but, you're you're yeah, talking right. about the you're talking about the emotional relationship versus the physical relationship. Yes, it's like, some, yeah, yeah like some things can be understated and are much more effective that way. I'm sure if Bill and yeah. Ty were stuck on the moon for 35 years and had nothing else going on, maybe they would get bored one day. <laughs> That is the best thing I've ever heard. I have this image in my head of <laughs> on the moon, like just so. Saying, what are we gonna do today? I don't know. <laughs> How was your day? No, let's see. We could play. I'm going through the green glass doors for the fifty thousandth time, or we could do something else. Yeah. I'm thinking of something that's black, <laughs> and that's what I killed them, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, they, they are from the twelfth colonies. It's I spy there. something gray. Is it? Is it a crater on the moon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I spy something that starts with the letter C. <laughs> oh, Kelly. <laughs> oh, it's Haley's comet. Yeah. <laughs> is someone yet singing "Turn Around" in the background? <laughs> no. So, like, I, like I have no problem with the fact that in canon, if Remus and Sirius had been, you know, together, like, like, like that would be fine. I'm sure it would have, like, 
imply to people that you only will become gay with your friends if you're the only ones left. But it, which is but it also, it's also very important to realize that that was not the main point of this story. It was not right. the main point of this story. It was just the section I had to fast forward through. <laughs> Ryan skipping. Yes, and they, they, they should never lead directly into the breakfast. But you, you don't like any sex. Well, can you rephrase that, please? <laughs> I'm just picturing I'm on my honeymoon right now. Sorry, I can't BS would be disappointed. <laughs> Let's see what's on cable. Moving right along. Oh, for the love of Mike. All right. I was just going to say, I was going to bring up this really sensible point and have meaning discussion. And How'd then... that work out for you? <laughs> A meaningful discussion on Poofle? Come on now. What was your point? It happens. It happens. Yeah, about every, brings it up. about every tenth episode. What was that? What was that line? Sometimes the squirrel does find an acorn. I don't know. The blind squirrel. Yes. Something like, something like that, yeah. Cassie, Cassie, what's your point? I think we've gone past it by now. I was just going to talk about how Ron and Harry. If you, okay, we were talking about you know the friendship kind of love, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking if you put Harry and Ginny and Ron in a room together for whatever reason. And then introduce a danger element, and Harry, they're all in danger. And it's like I can't see that lo- that love is the same, you know. Say Ginny and Ron, their lives are both at stake. Who who does Harry save first? Because mm-hmm. you know, I think he would, would stand be- there paralyzed and, and feel exactly. bad. He would feel guilty for not acting sooner. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't. Right. He doesn't do wrong. You know that's Hermione's job. Harry would be paralyzed, even if just momentarily, with indecision because yeah, right. he wouldn't know because he feels the same. Both of them. It, it's as mm-hmm. it would be hard. You add Hermione to it, and he's paralyzed for life. He doesn't know. Well, you know they have to come and rescue him. You know they will. Hermione will get them out of it somehow, and Hermione then they have to carry up off. before and dust him off and say it's okay, Harry, and you know, and then like start addressing his guilt issues, which he will have for the rest of his life. You know, it doesn't has to be all or nothing, you know? And I guess mm-hmm. I just prefer that people have a strong friendship and, and I don't I don't although this is, you know, you can make the case argue this is what fan fiction is. I, I guess I just prefer in stories where they don't change that. Yeah, you, you can prefer I mean there's you know, I mean everything everybody has what they prefer. Yeah, what I just exactly. think is I don't like and I'm saying you generally don't I don't mean you Keza is when people go on rants about how wrong it is and how no one should ever do it and I just think no. that's you know that's that's not that's not what I'm saying. I know I, I didn't right. say it's yeah. general you. But at the same time you don't need to have it gratuitously. Yeah, or uh, right. so, so, so much in, so much you know, overstated that it's you don't have to cross that line if if it's if it's there you don't have to cross it. Yeah, it's not a given line. that you have to cross. And it doesn't it. have to be in such close proximity to Arthur's no, sausage. No love. I mean, well, then when do you not? I mean, like you know, I mean, do you do you think I'm wrong in writing? You know, only slash. Do you think I should write some? No, kind of well, it's a different like, impression. You know, have some sort of quota. Some sort of you know quota. You know that. Well, it's like write. It's like only writing stories where in the middle of action sequences the characters have a dance number. I mean, everyone has <laughs> different th- your preference or the stories that you tend to write are slash-based stories, which is fine. It's like saying, you know, is Rima serious slash better or worse than what happens in canon when they're both heterosexual? I mean, it's 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 fine either way. Like Kelly said earlier, you can argue that, you know, the, probably the most likely pairing that doesn't screw up characterization would be Remus and Sirius. So, I mean, it's fine. I mean, based on what we know, you know what it is? I can't picture Edward James Almost and um, Michael Hogan 
as a gay couple, so that's why I have difficulty with Ty Adama. But other than that, it's fine. I mean, that you could actually argue on that show it's actually better because of what we learned, you know, about so, Caprica. I mean, and then you had, but you have the same argument, and I'm going to switch fandoms on you. You have the same argument for Kirk and Spock, mm-hmm. where they are you have together. They, that's well, in some you universe, in, in some fandic applications, friend. they are, and friend. and you cross that the, line. Get the meaning of the word friend. You know, I, I think that there is so much value in that. That I mean, I'm not talking about whether or not people like slash whether or not you're screwing up the characterization. Characterization. I'm talking about that. This happens so many fandoms, so many places. Oh yeah, it's and gratuitous. And it's, it's like, oh, we have to pair friends. up the male character. We have like to that. pair them all up. Yeah. Don't. Well, you can make an like you can make an argument in the case of Ty and the Dama that they come from a world where there's no real gender boundaries, and you could make an argument with Kirk and Spock that you have Spock. Who's fr- you know, if you could find a logical reason for it, and if Kirk <laughs> is from the Federation where anything goes, you know, and he's already slept with every woman in the galaxy and wants to try something new. <laughs> I mean, you can make arguments that it's fine. I mean, but, no, but, there's no argument out there for Ron Harris. I mean, I know that a lot of my ships, and this is both, you know, hit and slash, is based on friendship. The characters are friends. You know, either they're, you know, friends in the canon or they were friends before they got together. And- you know what's interesting? How many times have you said, I want to date a friend, but I don't want to ruin the friendship? Right. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Who's to say that Kirk and Spock wouldn't be so much more better than friends, but you don't want to ruin the friendship. I mean, I think that's just part of life. And sometimes people use that. What's worse is when the person doesn't want you and they're like, I don't want to risk the friendship, which under, you know, in parentheses, which we won't have by this time next week, but just hear me out. But I mean, I mean, that's part of life. If you try and, you know, dramatically alter the molecular composition of something, the whole thing could evaporate, and that's right. life. But I think that's true for anything. You know, like, even if people just, you know, meet and date, they might not get along either. Right. You may have... Uh, you may have. Why did you say meet and date? Because curious. I was trying to imply... I was trying to not say that they were friends first, because... You know, that's something else. But see, wouldn't dating... I mean, you go on your first date with someone, right? Yeah. Maybe it doesn't work like this in, in um, places that are not Keserland. But going on a date is beginning a friendship. Like, that's the whole point of dating, you know? But I think what it is, maybe in this world, people, it's like, oh, I'm going on a date, I will put on my frilly knickers because I'm going to get laid. You know, it's no longer... That's what I, that's what I always used to do. I mean, come on. You know what? Because to oh, me... no, no, now we have Ryan skipping with <laughs> <Okay>. frilly knickers. <laughs> what if you want to date the woman from OnStar? How does that work? Ugh. You pretend you to get keep connected. crashing the family car. Oh, I need help. I can't stay on the line with me until help arrives. Serious dating used to be it replaced the courting, and the idea of courting and then dating was that you got to know somebody and you became their friend, and then you you decided whether or not there were romantic feelings there that made you want to kiss each other, right? Which did you do first, court or date? You know when they used to call it courting. Courting yeah. is like medieval times when the man would come around to the princess. Medieval, but it, the idea was to get to know each other. That was the okay. whole point: mm-hmm. to become friends, to, to to understand and to know each other, to become right. friendly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. And part- what happens now is, I've got a date. Oh, what are you going to wear? And you know, did you get laid? You know, and and, and everyone mean, skips bit about. I don't think that. I don't friends. do that. I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of confused because I don't do that, but um, I'm just saying in general that that happens. It happens in TV and it happens in, you know, the media. That, that's what happens. you got all that, you know, some show, let's call it a show about lawyers, 
And, you know, the, the woman who hasn't had a date in six months and she's, you know, her love life is completely dried up. Oh, you've got a date. And all her colleagues are dressing her up to make sure that she gets some. You know, right. and she's never been on a date with this man before, and she only met him last week. You know, at the coffee shop. Well, and then like, well, you haven't had sex for six months, so he's as good a one as any. You know, just to, you know. And I'm like, well, that's bound to mess things up. But without without theory of dating, when you when when you like you go on a date with someone, you're presupposing the possibility that this could be romantic. And if you if you meet them and you ask them what their favorite color is and where their mother go to college and all all various questions, you can tell if there's some type of chemistry there. But it's pre you know supposed from the beginning that this could be romantic, whereas then you have friendships. Yeah, I think friendship starts, you know, in a similar way. I mean, it's just without well, the assumption that like you could... Like, like if I wasn't married and P.S. and I decided to give it a whirl before Puffwa ended, because, <laughs> you know, we need to end on the Puffwa wedding. You know, if we've known each other for years, so there's... How do you change that dynamic at this point? It becomes I don't know, but that is what the story Stealing Harry was about. Yeah. But there's also this, there's also this concept in English, in, in English of... Or at least in 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 uh, in modern American, and you have seeing each other, which I never understood either. What is the difference between seeing each other, dating? I mean, I think seeing each other is less frequent than dating. But but I mean, do you people know, go steady anymore? Kelly, See, would you like to answer something- this one? Right. Is, now, Kelly, does that have anything to do with necking? Necking, I thought was was making out. No. Oh, Kelly, would gosh. you like to would you like to break you're, down the definition? You're really bad, Ryan. <laughs> it's far out <laughs> and groovy. <laughs> but I mean, my my point being oh, is that man. is that what is that whatever whatever you know whatever the 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 modern terminology is that. These stages are still there, you know. Whether we call it courting, whether we call it dating, whether we call it now seeing each other, you yeah, know. But whether the problem we... is, Itai, most people right now, and you're, it's that whole instant gratification thing. It's like your your courtship has been compressed into an hour. Yeah, before, yeah exactly. Which well, is you know, that's what I'm saying. People do it differently. In, in you know what it is? It's kind of like preferences on what kind of food you want. Some people just don't like Chinese food. People do things differently. In my world, seeing each other and dating is the same thing, but I won't date three people at one time. Well, right now, my wife would kill me. Like, if I was going out with someone, I was going out with someone. I didn't, you know, if I like them, exactly. yeah, if I like them enough to be in a relationship with them, I don't want to say, oh, I can't do anything on Thursday. I'm going out with Sally that night. Like, I don't, like, I don't want the other people to. And the thing which is then ridiculous is the people who want to have, you know, that type of relationship now get you know caught up you know in the terminology and everything so you have 15 year olds who have not even met each other who are in love with each other which is ridiculously stupid right but i mean that's the way it's all about defining terms yeah people who want to go on dates are like well i guess we have to you know be committed so would you like to commit to be my like you don't even know who this person is (laughs) yeah i'll give you a lollipop you want to go study yeah exactly (laughs) and then it's far out and groovy and you can start necking Ryan. <laughs> yes, Jen. hurt you. <laughs> I know you will. Well, no, I mean, it is a big part. It's not like a throwaway scene in the fic. The fic is about, in part, two friends deciding to elevate it to the next level. And because they both happen to be men, that elevates it to a whole new thing. I mean, this I is guess. not like, I mean, this is, I mean, this isn't like, you know, they went on a blind date and decided to start necking. And nor is it like they were the only people sitting together on the moon and got bored. I mean, this is right, like. But I mean, I, like Kesson was, I, you know, like Kesson was saying, I, I think it was Kesson anyway, you know, it. What bothers me is not the fact that that there was that that sex was a part of the 
of the dynamic. What bothers me was was that it it became such an overstated uh, component that I think it would have been you know it, it would have possibly served the story better at at points if it had been toned down a little bit. So you know the whole less is more thing. Well, I certainly agree. Yeah, with I've that. seen. I've seen and more I, explicit slash stories. Yeah, I don't think but it was I felt that, that much. If this wasn't very explicit, but what I felt was that I was more invested in the story about what was happening to Harry, right. and I mm-hmm. found it distracting what was happening between Remus and Sirius. It didn't connect with the rest of the story for me. And I felt like the Harry oh. story didn't really progress very far because Harry pretty much reached, you know, like an optimum level of character development, and he kind of sailed through the rest of the story, and it was Remus and Sirius who were like, oh my god, we were outwitted. It, it feels a little uneven because it feels like the first first half of the story is the stealing Harry portion, and the second half of the story is, you know, like, the Remus series, or, like, you know, the second third. Yeah. Right. See, yeah. most yeah. of what I read in preparation for tonight, which like, I read I really... I think I prefer a story where, like, the plots intertwine and happen together. And, and they became yeah, more of my three dads. I mean, otherwise, it becomes, like, here, the Harry plot, and then the Harry plot like, ends, and then we have the Remus series plot, and the Remus series plot ends, and then the like, Peter kept, captures Harry just in time for the finale. Right, like, if for example, if the story had 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 been constructed in a way that, and I think uh, Andromeda brought this up toward the end, was well, how are you going to tell Harry? Mm-hmm. If the story had been the relationship is evolving, you know, the plot is going on, and we also have to tell Harry because Harry's not an idiot, idiot, and he notices that would have been, you know, that would have made it make a little bit more sense, and it. You know, it wouldn't have yeah. been story A and story yeah, B. Yeah, and on some level, it's a good, it's a good point to bring up. But then you're afraid that it's going to become the story where where Harry catches Remus and Sirius, and then they have to sit down and talk about David. I always am afraid of you know balancing between you know writing like a slasher story and like yeah, making you it know. become like Brian's at the end of the after school special. Or it becomes a sitcom where Andromeda's talking about when are you going to tell him that you're a werewolf, and he thinks it's when am I going to tell him the yes. gay, and I sit down and. You know what I think? I didn't like about that that angle about what are we going to tell Harry. It's like because I'm thinking, couldn't it be more natural than that? Because they're in bed together, right? In the chapter, Harry, Remus and Sirius are in bed. They're in the same room, in the same bed, and Harry barges in the door. I think Harry's figured it out. Plus, all kids don't have that prejudice that's built into them. This is yeah, that's what I mean. kids think. Right. Harry's probably mm. just like, oh, that's Remus and Sirius. They're, they're, you know, that's how they are. He, yeah. he doesn't have a label for it. He doesn't need a label for it. I mean, and it's all like the adults, he, he knows, you know, you know, you know, that's what happens. Like, you know, Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia, you know, love each yeah. other and stuff. And so he thinks Remus and Sirius are the same, you know. And and he doesn't have a name for it. He doesn't have a label for it, and he doesn't need a la- name or a label for it. And they they agonize over it. And what I found was that the but I think that's realistic that for adults to do. You know, because I think adults uh, to a yeah. degree adults would like, yeah. do that because by the time yeah, we're adults, plot- we already label and naturally. Well, and you could argue the kids are more predisposed to ask well, why can only men and women get married, and not men and men like that. You know what I mean? We look at the social norms of society, and we think we have to explain to kids why differences are allowed and kids are already probably thinking why are they the way that you you know make them as social They're worlds. Asking. Yeah. They yeah, already like, have you it. Want to explain to kids to make help them be tolerant about for example what's on the table at the moment gay um, relationships right homosexuality. We want to explain to them why that's allowed where in actual fact what they need is to explain to them why we don't allow it. Exactly. Precisely. And because it's a kid that's going to say I want to marry my mother, or I want to marry my father because they love them, 
Yeah. And I, I mean, I hear that in class all the time. And you have to explain to kids why we don't do that. And for whatever reason in your society, then they need an explanation for that because the kids are the ones who are accept, accept this stuff. And right. we're the ones who put conditions on it. And we have to explain to them why some things are not permitted, not, you know, and, and, and as adults, we look, the, we, we, we look at it the wrong way around sometimes, I think. And, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today because we're recording this um, one day after um, universal health care passed in the United States. And I live in Massachusetts. Oh, really? And, and five years ago, we had the whole gay marriage thing passed in Massachusetts, or decided by the legislature, we had gay marriage passed here. And you have everyone, you know, on one side standing up saying, you know, this thing that just happened is the worst thing, it's going to destroy the world. And you have people on the other side standing up saying, this is completely natural. And, you know, we're, we're a 50 50 nation, and, and side A hates side B, and vice versa. And I'm thinking about this. You know, when I'm in, you know, the people who grew up with certain social norms are eventually going to die off. And my generation, you know, and my children who will always have grown up with gay marriage just being part of, you know, the fabric of society won't think twice about it. And there are people now who are my age who are very much against it because they say, well, you know, it's not natural or, or, you know, take whatever, you know, it's not natural or it will cost too much money or, you know, it will ruin this or that or the other thing. What you'll have is you'll have 70 years of experience with it. And we'll see what happens with generations of, you know, living through gay marriage. And we'll see what happens with generations living through, you know, healthcare reform. And then we'll have proof and it won't be fear. It'll be here's what happened. Well, and the reason that you have the people that are your age and even people that are my age that say, you know, this is wrong, blah, blah, blah. That's because they were very carefully taught yeah. that. They were taught and we don't know because we, we, right. we don't know. Don't, yeah. There's no experience. Yeah, it. we don't, like I was saying, I don't know if it made it into the episode. We don't know what's going to happen with healthcare. The people who passed it don't know. The people who hate it don't know because we haven't tried it yet. People have gotten these things wrong throughout time. No one knows what the hell is going to happen. You you may think you have a good idea, and you may have actuarial models, and you may have pie charts, but no one knows. But that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. and people can look at that and say, well, if we don't know it could make it worse, let's not try it, let's try something else, and that's perfectly reasonable. We don't know if your idea is going to work either, because no one knows. We could have a terrorist attack tomorrow, and Yellowstone could explode, and you know, what I mean? and then all of a sudden, everyone's guesses over the years were shocked, because no one assumed Yellowstone would blow up except one Riley Texan. So, I mean, that's that's the reality of life. So, you know what? 50 years, and then what will happen is 100 years from now, or 50 years from now, everyone will be fine with gay marriage, and everyone will love healthcare reform, or maybe everyone will hate both of them, because maybe it blew up in our faces. But what will happen 100 years from now is the thing that we can't predict yet. And right. there'll be the next new idea that some people will accept and some people fear, and then two generations from then, that one will either blow up through practice or or be accepted. So right. I mean, that's just how the world works. Nobody knows what's going to happen, and anyone who knows what's going to happen. And let's is say, for example, that you you try something and it doesn't actually work, and and whatever happens, it's like cycles. You know, but there was a time in the past when nobody talked about um, homosexuality, but it was accepted in a way that then, you know, a hundred years later it was, wasn't and, you know, they would hunt people down and, and kill them and stuff and there's different cycles that, that you go through, the levels of acceptance and, you know, and it, 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 if something happens that makes it not, not workable or, or whatever or, or, or some, some religious leader comes up or, or, or whatever, that will change how people think whether or not it is working, whether or not things are, are going right. And it, it's, it, who knows where you, you could be, mm -hmm. so whatever happens. 
Yeah. You know, it could be that Yellowstone blows up and some charismatic idiot decides, well, you know, it blew up because we had all that gay marriage and everyone buys into it for some bizarre reason and, and they you ban mean, it again. You know, who knows? I mean, that's you know what? Ben Roberts happen. strikes again. <laughs> and people are never going to admit when they're right and people are never going to admit when they're wrong. Today, oh, the, Dow, today the Dow rose 50 points, okay? The Dow went up today. Tomorrow. If the Dow went down today, Everyone who hated healthcare would scream. Yeah. It's because healthcare passed. When you know, when Scott Brown won the election in my home state of Massachusetts, the Dow went down. If the Dow went up, everyone who loved Scott Brown would say Scott Brown brought the Dow up. Look how amazing he is! Right. But they can't make money off of he crashed the stock market, so they just shut up and say there's no relation. If if <laughs> if the, if people if healthcare goes through and it blows up the country, the people who support healthcare say we didn't do that. The other thing did that. And if Healthcare saves the country. The people who hated healthcare today aren't going to say, "Well, we were wrong. Apparently, it was a good idea." They're going to say, "No, it wasn't. Something else did it. It had nothing to do with it." Right. Healthcare yeah, was yeah. holding us back. We could have been even bigger. People are never going to admit it. So people have to just make up their minds, and they have to have an open mind, and they have to listen to kids who have little fish or frog puppets because the kids are smarter than we are. Because either that, or just realize that whatever we yeah. do, everything is cyclical, and it's going to, you know, and and wherever we end up on the in the cycle is where we are. It's not... Yeah, I mean, if it's bad, then they'll probably change the law. It's not like the United States is going to become some apocalypse world. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure about that? Because I heard that could very well happen. With that the depends on the, the world is ending. Didn't you know this? Come right, on. You know what? I'm sorry, but when Mitt Romney stands up and, and it, it, he, he calls the president a traitor and makes it his goal in life to repeal the health care plan that he himself wrote, you've realized that no one is telling the truth. If we had eight-year-olds running the world right now, we would have universal health care, and we would have it would be the law of the land that once a day we all have to get in a circle and you know hug each other. Kids have yeah. an uncanny ability to know what is fair, right? And I Absol- think this is absolutely. something. That, absolutely, This is something that I think attracted me to the Harry Potter series in the first place. You've got eleven-year-old Harry, and he has a crap life, but he knows that it's not fair. Now, I've seen a lot of fix where it's being written that Harry is completely clueless that he's being abused. <sighs> And all this kind of stuff. But you know what? Harry's not stupid. Kids aren't stupid. They know when something isn't fair. They, they, they know that it's not normal to be, to be tied in a cupboard. And they know that that's not fair. And you know what? They know they can't do anything about it because not only are they the smartest people on the planet, but we give them no power and they're completely powerless. It's, it's completely mm-hmm. unfair. But you know what? If kids were ruling the world, sometimes I think we'd be better off because they have more of a sense of right and wrong and what is fair and they're more willing to act on it than we are. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. I mean, I, I'm, sho- I, I'm shocked at like the number of adults that seem to forget what it's like to be a kid. Well, isn't that always the way? When you're a kid, you have this great feeling of, you know, power and there's so many things I, I want to do and there's so many things I feel are strong. And as a kid, you hate the fact that the adults stomp you down. Then when you're an adult, the first thing you do is stomp the kids down. Yeah, because, I mean, when you, you if you look at it, Harry gets on the train and, you know, he, he probably is there. You, you can sort of sense what he's thinking. It's like, you know, Ron turns up. With, with his whole family. And, you know, little Harry inside is going, you know, that's not really fair. He's got this whole family and I don't have it. But, you know, Harry's spirit is, well, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to make the best of it. But, I mean, he has a sense of fairness that I think in some ways Harry doesn't actually lose throughout throughout the thing. He, but, he wants to be I mean, to he's, the one, he's the I one mean, that will share with Ron immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, um, whereas most adults... 
that I know would go. You they would have said, I, "Eat your corned beef sandwich; it's good for you." Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't have this all my life. I, it's mine now because I'm entitled to it. I deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, like a lot of like Mike would argue this that like Harry is a bully and he bullies Draco. You know, <laughs> but you know what? Harry recognizes it. Bull- Draco doesn't treat people fair. He said, you know, that's the same thing. You know, Draco is mean to him and he decides not to shake his hand or whatever because he can tell that Draco is not a fair person. I mean, it comes down to that for me. It's kind of like the way I try and view the world. I don't care if you disagree with me on on principle, but I want your argument to make sense. If you're going to be hypocritical, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You can disagree with me on everything that I consider to be relevant and meaningful in life, but as long as I can understand why you think what you think, even if I don't agree with you, I I absolutely will respect that. But don't do the thing where you know one where you're twisting logic and twisting the world to suit your own purposes. Exactly. is what a lot of people do, and, and, and you know it's BS. And, and look at the way you know adults you know comport themselves. You have these politicians on TV that we've been talking about all night who are lying. All of them are lying. It's obviously political theater. They're obviously going to take the opposite positions if they are in charge and you know out of power. And it doesn't mean a damn thing. It's 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 theater and it's dramatic and it's 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 essentially made for television. And there's no authenticity. To, to, to virtually any of it. And little kids have the best BS detectors in the history of the world. A friend of mine um, was, she and her husband and, and their two girls lost their homes. They were staying with the um, grandparents and the grandfather did not want them there. And he was, he never said that. He was very, you know, polite on the surface. But the little two-year-old girl picked up on the fact that grandpa didn't want her there. So when they got their own place and they moved out, you know, they were going to have, you know, the, the grandparents over and, and the little girl would make it very clear, I want grandma to come, but I don't want grandpa to come. Because she knew she wasn't wanted there. He never said that. He was very polite. But kids get it. The, the, kids have oh, awesome people. And, and look at the, and when we, you know, as adults say, well, look at us, we know it. And that's the way we stomp down on the kids. We say, well, when we were kids, we wanted to save the world and we wanted to save the ozone. Remember the ozone layer? We want to save the ozone layer. <laughs> and we want to get rid of the deficit because we don't want to have to pay for it our age. And then you're like, well, it's it's very complicated. You know, when you're big and smart like us, you'll understand. Little kids don't understand about deficit spending. You know? Yeah, I think adults get dumber. Not yeah, but we're, but then listen to half of us talking. You know, death panels and Romney voting against his own health care bill. I mean, this, like, yeah. thank you. You have to listen to us because we know what's going on. We should listen to them. <laughs> yeah. So, when I was little, when I was a kid, I used to like to do creative writing. I actually wrote this song. It was like a Star Trek based um, series of little short stories I wrote. And the plot line was basically it was like Star Trek, but all of the crew members were kids because the kids were so much smarter than the adults. Oh, okay. <laughs> they sent all the kids. But you know, that's what, you know, the kids' fiction, right? Um, is it, better. You know, because the idea is, in a kid's world, everything goes right. And that's why it's a happy ending. It's always a happy ending because, Mm -hmm. I mean, so maybe that's not reality, but I'm wondering how many times we could make it a happy ending. We just make really bad decisions as adults. And I think the other thing, it's a bit Pollyanna, but, you know, sometimes I think even when a decision goes bad and it's not that good of an ending, the kids can see, well, okay, so it didn't work out how I wanted, but look how great this is. You know, they find out whatever it is that's good in it. Cause yeah, they'll always the find stuff. the glass half full. Right. Yeah, they're, they're not looking for the bad stuff, whereas the adults are going around, oh, oh look at the health care, oh, I'm going to die. 
with, you know, the, the biggest problem we have as a society is we lump ourselves into political parties. And aside from the people who actually work in the building for the political party, it is the stupidest way to define ourselves as Democrats or Republicans. It doesn't mean, it, it's like, I'm a Red Sox fan or a Yankee fan. It boxes you in, so when a Yankee actually, you know, when a Yankee player saves someone with the Heimlich maneuver, we still have to boo them because they're a Yankee and it's in the manual that we always right. boo It's absolutely freaking ridiculous just how we box ourselves, you know, in in that manner. And it's it's like, you know, if, if you're a Republican, we can never talk to you, but if you if you join the Democratic Party and you're now a Democrat, we can walk up and hug you and hey, we, we always liked you. Well, no, you did it. You said horrible Because things you've about. now come to your senses. Yeah, because you've now come to your senses and everything is just prepackaged and, and, and you, you can't deviate from the line and you have to take loyalty oaths and, it, and it's just the most handicapped way of, of just defining yourselves and what you believe in and that's how the grown-ups do it and it's it's just it's not well I, we should let the kids run the world for the day i am feeling an affinity with peter pan we'd have nap time nap time would be restored that oh fine. we all need that mm-hmm. in the middle of the work day it'd be, it'd be great we wouldn't have to eat vegetables <laughs> i actually would have, um, I, I, I like my that. kids eat vegetables you know all right i'm going off topic here but i attended a yes, funeral this yeah, I know. I attended a funeral this week, and the the gentleman that had passed on used to have this huge garden. He grew a huge garden every year, and his son said, "You know, I grew up with my father growing this garden every year, and I just realized in the last three months that he doesn't like vegetables. He grew this garden to give it away, hmm. and that's what he did." And and I said something to somebody, and he said, "Oh yeah, he'd fill his car up and he'd stop." He'd stop at my house, and I'd pick out what I want, and he'd go to the next house, and he and he'd drive until he emptied his truck, and that was what he did. And you learn, and you learn that about him around the time he dies, because that so yeah. we remember him. And yeah, yeah, I mean, we learned, and and this just killed me. He he was ninety three. Um, he was the first person in his family of nine or thirteen children to actually go on to higher education. No one went beyond eighth grade, mm-hmm. and when he went to school, his teachers came to his parents and said he has a learning disability he's left-handed mm-hmm. which is a and learning disability him. and my first question when she said when she was telling me this story last night was was it a catholic school yeah because they beat mm-hmm. that value that you actually become amb- you become ambidextrous too you know, mm-hmm. did he become ambidextrous do you know i don't know you'll see that I, uh, one of i have a um my roommate was like that yeah biology professor um was left-handed and the nuns beat it out of him if you take two pieces of chalk and put them on a blackboard and you write your name with your right hand it comes out complete mirror image with your left hand you know moving away from each other because it's just your brain rewired itself which i think is fascinating Mm -hmm. but it it was like it's you know the the custodian who lived in the crappy apartment when he dies he leaves three million dollars to the school because he's been saving it all that time it's the stuff you find out about people that you never expected before i mean i think what we've determined tonight is people are either fake or they're just, you know, incredibly authentic, and usually the kids are the ones who start out authentic because they know of no other way until someone gets them and, and, and teaches them the wrong way. So I think we have a lot we can learn from kids, and we certainly have a lot that we can learn from Harry, and Remus and Sirius certainly have a lot they can learn from Harry because they get fooled and their store burns down, and then they're bitching about the fact that they're in the witness protection program to the kid they're trying to save. So <laughs> I, I right. think that they could... Kind of pick up a few things, but I mean, what I'll remember from this story 
which is unfortunate, is actually just the plot point about the quantum realities, which has nothing to do with anything. It just happens to exist yeah, in the story, which nice. which is wonderful. And um, I wish the story had been a little bit bolder. I wish it had gone in different directions, and maybe it will in the sequel, um, which we're actually not going to be able to get to. But I think it, it, it wasn't a bad story. It was good. It was it was a very I like this story because it's understated. It's very understated. It's quiet. I like, the reason I recommended it is the reason I picked it is because I wouldn't. You, I wanted to cover a very mysterious story since it's, you know, one of my favorite ships, and and I wanted to find one. Actually, I wanted to find one because there aren't that many mysterious novel-length stories. Well, I just want to also add it was understated except from a few scenes that made me uncomfortable and I had to fast forward, but that is my own problem, I, not the author's. I thought that the sex was very tastefully done. Yeah, I mean, it's on Fiction Alley. It's not like it is... Not, oh, I'm not know, blaming the story. Not. It's totally, I'm a guy, and I'm like... Of course. I, I'm like, can I... I've read everything else. I've read most of Lioness. Can I fast forward? Just a couple minutes? <laughs> I mean, but, like, I think, take this story because it was, like, kind of like a beginner's, in a way, big beginner's slash. I didn't want to, like... like I didn't <laughs> recommend, wellness. like, Jen's story where, like, they were having sex in the Great Hall or whatever. Okay, Jen apologized for that one. When, when, uh, <laughs> when, when Sue originally told me that... That this was a that this was a slash. I had a very um, I wouldn't say extreme, but I had a very visceral reaction. I don't know, you know. But um, she had said, you know, Ryan wants you there, and we hadn't podcasted, you know, together, Ryan, in such a long time that I think, you know, what I'm going to try it. If I absolutely can't, I'll stop it in the middle or whatever, and I can always go in and 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 be the the voice of dissent. Um, it, it was a lot better than I, you know, it was a lot better than I originally expected it. You're right, there were scenes in it that bothered me that were a little bit overstated, but in general, it's readable and, and, and I finished it because there are plenty of other stories that, that I have, you know, that I started. You know, for example, Lioness. Julia told me I absolutely had to read the story. Oh, no, and, listen to Julia when she tells you that. One out of every three times, it's not a and, good thing. Well, yeah, and, and you know, and I, I should know that knowing her, you know, how, for years her, and years. Her taste in reading. Right. Although I did very much enjoy the masterfic production of Lioness. I'm going to go that was actually a very good scene. Yeah, the masterfic. No, but, but I mean, I, it, you know, that, that, you know, I I really had to 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 put in a lot of effort and and energy into dragging myself up to chapter forty. And but like anyway, like I said, I recommended this. Well, I, I recommended this story because it's you know one of my all time favorites. So that's obviously why I picked it. But um, you know, I think most people are surprised by it, or you know, ex- go into it expecting having not read any slash and expecting something awful and weird. And I. Don't know where they're getting these. There's these elusive stories that people are always like, "Well, I thought it would be like this," but it isn't. Well, I think we've said perfectly. We've read two. We've read two uh, fix on this podcast where Snape is some variation of Harry's daddy. We've read the one with the naked Quidditch match. We've read the one with Madame Couscous and um, Ginny living with the other Susan. And and I just remember um, 
because it's high tides and Al Gore's buzzer went off in his living room, and we've read the one where Harry married Hermione and Ron was trapped in the broom closet, and we've read the one where Ron and Hermione had sex every chapter, and we've read <laughs> the the one where, where Molly was stuck in a bucket at her daughter's house, and we've read the one where, you know, the, where but Wolf Molly Blitzer's co-worker walked into her apartment building, and I'm Captain James C. Kirk of the Federation Starship, and she gets pulled into the Wizarding World, which is nothing like what you would expect it to be, even though it was exactly like what you expected it to be, including the biracial children. So you know what? It's nice as we close in on the finish line to be like, you know what? This is understated. It involves a boy with his pet animal and goat man, and that's that. So I was very Well, happy. and P.S., this will make you happy. I was talking to someone right before the podcast, and she came on, and I told her what I was going to do, and she's like, it's my new favorite fic. That makes me happy. See, yeah. we have a success story. I won't lie, there's stories we've read in the podcast I couldn't finish. I definitely my, Yeah, well. my criteria for a good fic is a fic that I can finish. Yeah, yeah. my my standards are even <laughs> higher than Itai's, and I, I and I did enjoy the story. I mean, I can, you know, like, I could not write a story like this. I mean, you know, not saying it's bad, I'm saying I have absolutely well, I no raw talent. We, the fact that but, we, like, hardly talk about the story is proof that we liked it, because we always do say, you know, the fix that we don't like, we spend, like, the whole podcast Oh, yeah, and, and now we're and like... Fix, right. If we don't like it, I mean, we weren't, I mean, we were talking about the fic in the sense that it inspired discussion of other stuff, but half the time we weren't yeah, talking about Yeah, half it. of the You're podcast right. is Sue, how's the fam? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sue, how is the fam? Oh, just splendid. There you go. Alright, so with that <laughs> we have six episodes left of the current season of Puffwa until we become peon Puffwa. Are you peons <laughs> you if you're the largest that. people in the room? Hmm. What, are, okay. what are your final I'm, thoughts, Keza, while we have you? My final thoughts, I didn't read the entire fic because... <laughs> Hey, I'm honest. Do, do, do I, a reconstruction of the first 27 chapters. No, I read 22 to 28 in almost all, like every word. I skipped around a little bit, I think, because I got distracted. There's something shiny in my bedroom. But I, I liked what the, the storyline was, that they, they got Harry. Like Most of the time, I actually hate stories like that. I'm like, I prefer you, you don't mess with that because to me that that's what builds Harry's character. That's part of the story. And so when people come along and rescue Harry and send him to a psychotherapist at age three and stuff, that just I, I'm not interested in that. So I was like, they're going to rescue him. I'm not going to be interested in the story. And I found it hard to get into it at the start. I, I couldn't get into it because I was like, I don't care about rescuing Harry. I want you to leave him with the Dursleys because that's how the story is for me. But I found that by the time I was reading this end part, I was very interested in the way that they'd set up the story and, and, and Peter. I would have think I would have liked a bit, a bit more about Peter, and I think this is one instance where I would have liked the point of view of or, or scenes involving the evil people and what they're thinking and and why they're doing it and stuff. Because I found that interesting. What what would happen if if Peter was like this and he was actively going after Harry this whole time? Because part of me thinks that Wormtail doesn't go after Harry, not necessarily because of the blood protection. I mean, he's been hanging out at the Weasleys for twelve odd years. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't been trying to do anything. He's gone into hiding because he's an evil little coward. So what happens if he doesn't have to go into hiding because of Sirius and Sirius is you know merrily skipping around town and whatever? And and how does that affect on Peter? So I think I would have liked a bit bit more of that storyline. I found that storyline quite interesting. It just occurs to me right now that because Sirius, I'm sorry, it occurs to me right now that just because Remus got bad directions and his GPS wasn't working and he got lost back in 1981, Goat Boy Pettigrew takes over the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boys and girls, 
always have batteries in your GPS. Good night, Puff Good night. Good night, Puff Alright, good night, everybody. Thanks for watching. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Oh, oh wow, 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 wow. Loudness. Oh, that was loud. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah. That teaches me to let Ulrich play with my headphones. You're really loud. <laughs> Am I really? Yeah. Not so much. Oh, and there goes oh, Scott already. Bye bye, Scott. <laughs> oh, dear. Oops, wait, let's do this the right way. It's been a while. I've forgotten what I'm doing. No. Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. We've been having so much fun today. Uh oh, that doesn't sound good. That sounds interesting. Uh, baseball. Let me hear it. Oh, baseball. 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 What? I was going to comment on that. Oh, there we oh go. yeah, it's Better? it's Scott. been a very um interesting afternoon. Are people okay? Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> Mark McGuire finally came out and said that he was doing steroids during his playing years, oh. and so that's been yeah, I did hear like it. this huge. Yeah, it's been the talk of the town for the past. Oh, I don't know what five hours or something like that. Wow. That almost blows away my story. Oh, I got a really good one. You want to hear it? Mm-hmm. I'll make everyone laugh. Laughter's good. I picked up Arik after school, and he's telling me about his day. And he goes, Mommy, what's a tender? And I'm like, well, there's a couple things that mean tender. Like there's a cold tender on a train, and how you eat your meat can be tender. And he's like, oh, like a chicken tender. I go, yeah. He goes, where's that? I'm like, well, it's right underneath the breast, and it's just a little piece of tendon. He's like, oh, okay. He goes, Mommy, are chicken nuggets made from chicken balls? (laughs) (laughs) No, not exactly. Maybe. (laughs) I almost ran off the road. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Were there any conditions nearby? (laughs) Oh, I was on 79 and I almost ran off the road. (laughs) Oh, dear. That was that. Did we lose Scott again? I have no idea. Yes, we did. <sighs> Scott. Great Scott. Scott. <laughs> Scott. So I asked Ark, because I wasn't sure exactly if he knew what balls were. I asked him, I'm like, um, what are balls? And he goes, oh, the thing underneath my penis. I'm like, okay. At least he knows. I go, honey, they're called testicles. He's like, okay. And I go, are chicken nuggets the same shape as balls? He's like, no, they're kind of flat. I go, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, then what chicken nuggets are made? I go, they're just cut up pieces of chicken, like the breast and stuff like that. He's like, okay. And I go, who told you this? He goes, my friend Jacob. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, we got to get you away from Jacob. You should take him out for buffalo balls. No. <clears throat> well, my story isn't nearly that good, but I wore my Hufflepuff shirt today. Yay! And one of the parents came in and he said, I just have to tell you, I love your shirt. And it was really, my Hufflepuff shirt? He's like, Hufflepuffs are cool. <laughs> and I was like, do you know what a Hufflepuff is? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? <laughs> <laughs>
So apparently the kids come into wherever he works and they have Hufflepuff backpacks. I'm going to have to check uh-huh. if they have Hufflepuff backpacks. Okay. I just have a Gryffindor t-shirt. I need to get a Hufflepuff t-shirt. Right. I got, I I got, got that off. Tape. What? Duct tape? Yep. Um, Why? Because we need to duct tape Scott to the call. Oh, I wish I could. Uh, he's gone offline now. He may be going upstairs. Mm. He was upstairs. Maybe he has to go downstairs. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> He was somewhere and he needs to go somewhere else. That's all I know. I don't have any stories today. I had my random act of kindness on Saturday. That was cool. What happened? Well, did you do the random yeah, act or something? I did. did the I was on my way home oh. from work and it was very, very, very cold on 12, mm-hmm. Friday night, Saturday morning. <laughs> it was minus eight. Wow. At, and that's Fahrenheit, not Celsius. Still, so it hit minus eight degrees here, and it warmed all the way up to 14 degrees during the day. Heat wave! Yeah. And I'm on my way home, <laughs> so I get off the highway, and there's this figure who's all wrapped up, trudging down the street with two very luxury bags. So mm-hmm. I stop, and I get out of the car, and I open the trunk, and I'm like, I'm not going to ask you if you want a ride. I'm going to give you a ride. And it turns out it was this little 60-year-old woman who was wrapped up to her eyeballs, and she had been at the store, and her grandson was supposed to come pick her up and forgot. And she was walking home. What What an idiot boy. And she had about another mile and a half to go, maybe. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, 12 degrees outside. So she got in the car. I took her home, took the stuff out of it. She thanked me very much and went in. I never even got her name. I got home, and it's cold. My feet were freezing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 12 degrees uh, outside, and she's walking down the side of the street. And there's no sidewalk along the street there. There's very little shoulder. And she's crossing the bridge over the highway. I mean, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my random act of kindness. Well, picked up hitch- I picked up a non-hitchhiker, and then... <laughs> well, you're lucky she got in the car, but I imagine well, she as was cold really as it was. Cold. And it yeah. was this little 60-year-old black woman with two very full bags of groceries. Oh, well, she could have probably taken you then. Yeah. <laughs> but she was like, thank you so much. Aww. Yeah. Well, it's been a fun three days, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah? How's mom doing? She's up. She's cooking. Oh, dear. I said, this morning I said, you know, I really want to do the podcast tonight. They're doing it on my thick. I really want to be there. And she's like, okay. So I came home and I started helping with the rice and I fed all the animals and I said, okay, I'm going over. And she's like, what? I said, I'm going over to podcast. She's like, shit. Kevin's like, you said a bad word. I'm "Uh, I'm leaving. (laughs) So she's not happy, but she's like, well, what about dinner? I said, I'll eat later. Salmon, it's rice. It'll be fine. Mm. Salmon's my favorite. Scott, are you there and can you hear us? He said he'd be back in a minute. But I, I know, he but he's, he's on, so I'm yeah. confused. I'm not a big salmon fan. I am. I love salmon. It's one of my favorites. But I can't eat it here because I live in the middle, you know. Mm. It's that whole, if you don't live within a drive of the coast, then you shouldn't eat things that are fresh from the coast. You should eat things that are frozen. And frozen salmon just doesn't, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. Mm. Woolies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad Oliver's gal's here because she understands me. Yeah. Woolies. <laughs> it's a big 
fish market. Huge. They have also other meat and stuff too, and it's all fresh and there's butchers everywhere. Yeah. And it's really good. We stuff. have the oh, St. Awesome. Louis Farmers Market, and they have stuff they fly in every day. That's typical. Mm-hmm. And a lot of restaurants will, you know, if they're the high end restaurants, one of the places that we go to here has like swordfish that they have flown in every other day. Mm-hmm. You know, but you don't eat fish on Sunday because it's not fresh. Because mm-hmm. the last day they flew it in was on Friday. Yeah, they. <laughs> what? Uh, I I'm cruising through things while we're waiting for Scott, mm-hmm. and I got one of those emails, you know, that has all the the poster things, and it's a picture of a chicken running away from a police officer, and it says, "Chickens, no respect for the law." Jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. They were giving me a bad time today. I almost threw out my back on Saturday trying to do charity work. (laughs) No, don't do that. Oh, my God. But it felt so good. I did almost eight hours. We got three podfuls of donations, and we packed over 35 boxes, and they're over 65 pounds apiece, the boxes for troops overseas. It was freaking awesome. That is cool. (laughs) I'm back. Hello, back. Ooh, it looks like Scott might be back, too. Welcome back, Scott. Yes. Yeah. Did you Welcome go downstairs? Back. I did, yes. I tried and several times upstairs. I got 15 seconds, 25 seconds, 9 seconds, and 10 seconds. Oh, and just to let you know, did we lose somebody? Oh, we did. Who did we lose? Scott? Oh, no, we have I Scott. Know. I'm still here. I think oh, it was sorry. Scott. I just instantly thought it was Scott. Yeah. Where is she? It's an understandable mistake. <laughs> All of us I'm looking at my thing going, I can't find her. Hello. Sorry, I it wouldn't let me pick you up. Every time I clicked on it to go to add to conference, it closed on me. I don't know what was going on. But you're there, right? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, we're good. <laughs> so I sent Jules a email saying we were doing this today. And she said, I'm going back and forth between saying eep and squeeing. And this is just one little one shot. I can't imagine what it would be like if y'all were doing it for Hufa Maine. So she's squeaking. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that cares to know, when we talked about... I don't know, I'm kidding. Fred and George. <laughs> when we talked about George in the bedroom and the bedroom was all beige on uh, Folly 3, I asked Antasha and he said that, yes, Molly had changed the bedroom. Mm, yeah. Because that was one of the discussions that we had. Theirs would have been lime green or something. Mm-hmm. All right. Do we have everybody? Everybody's Hold here on. still? I think we do. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that the apple pies in McDonald's are really potatoes? Actually, somehow I believe that because potatoes are cheaper. Yeah. Well, I'm pl- Haven't you ever had one of those, like, the fake apple pies, like use Ritz crackers instead of apples and like applesauce and stuff like that. Nope. No, I yeah. can't say I did that. Yeah. Never heard I'm of that. Going to be right there with y'all and say, no, I don't think so. Like it's like fake, I forget what it's called, but it's like fake apple pie and like it like tastes apple like apple crisp? pie. Oh, interesting. No, like there are no apples in the pie. Like you make the crust, but you, you make but you got apple or. Yeah, well, it has apple salt, but there's no chopped up apples or something like that. So, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. It sounds. Hopefully, there would be apples in the apple. Sounds disgusting, somewhere. actually. It's not, <laughs> it's not bad. Because <laughs> if you use crackers, they're buttery, so you get like a buttery. Yeah, but apples yeah, aren't buttery. Apple. They're apples. 
pie. It's called a mock apple pie. No, Thank you. Me. And it's made with Ritz crackers. Yes. Ew. Thank you huh. for not letting me ramble. <laughs> it took a little bit well, of time to actually, you know, surface in my brain, but it did finally come. Well, Ooh. I'm glad that someone knew mm. what I was talking about, put it that way. I believed you, anyhow. Yeah. I still think it sounds disgusting. <laughs> I have chocolate-covered raisins. I don't know. I haven't had it in a while. Well, you never know. I guess. Oh, no. You went back to Sam's. No. So I went to Shop and Save, where they have bulk food. Shop and Save. So, yeah, these aren't the organic raisins raised by pygmies in Peru that, you know, no. It, these are just <laughs> Shop and Save ones. <laughs> <laughs> You're no fun. Could you? Okay, here we go. Are you ready? This is 36 Ritz crackers, cup and a three quarters of water, two cups of sugar, two teaspoons of cream of tartar, two tablespoons of lemon juice, grated peel of a lemon, two tablespoons of margarine or butter, and a half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon. There are no apples in this. Ew. Huh. <laughs> Strange. There's something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, do you know where they do we want to actually start the podcast? Yeah. Oh, I suppose we should. Do you know do you know where they get cream of tartar from? Tartars? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think tartars exist as a tribe anymore. So Tar- cream like, of tartar is enough. actually a byproduct of wine making. Mm. They okay. scrape it off of the inside of the casks after the wine has fermented. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's part of the grapes that you yes. don't want for the wine. Right, right. It's exactly true. From grape skins. Okay. Fanfic. The final frontier. These are the ramblings of the PFW peons. Their continuing mission to explore strange new stories, to seek out new authors and unending tangents, to boldly review where no one has done before. Welcome to Peoncast, the next generation. I'm Sue. I'm Kelly. I'm Scott. This is Oliver's gal. I'm Trisha. And today we are going to be doing the story in my garden, written by Aggiebel. This was written as an auction piece at one of the PFW balls, and I won it. So this was written for me. And my prompt to her was Neville in the Garden. <laughs> And Aggie Bell, for all of you who have listened to this, is Jules, a.k.a. the Sorting Hat person, before Sue became the Sorting Hat person. (laughs) (laughs) The former Sorting Hat person. Right. So, that's Jules. I think I need to get resorted. Why do you need to be resorted? Do you have a problem with Hufflepuff? I don't know. I just want to be resorted. I want Mike to be in there. Trisha, go read the last sorting. You and Mike are in it. (laughs) <laughs> and so is yeah. Oliver's gal. Hmm, how did yeah. that work out? Is there whiskey in there yet? 
It's because poor Mike was being transfigured into a Christmas tree. And this reminded Sue of the time you tried to transfigure him into something else. A man. A man. <laughs> I don't even want to know. <laughs> we did well. <laughs> Potterfic Weekly has the strangest stories. <laughs> you really do want to come to the forum. We do have a lot of fun. Do you not want to know about the Christmas tree or the man, Kelly? <laughs> Neither. Somehow I can guess. <laughs> Mike and I, Mike and I, um, we drink a lot together. Yes, I drink. Yes, somehow Mike can drink fire whiskey through his roots or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. I guess I if it works for the Whomping Willow. Yep. See, there we go. And speaking of okay. roots, we are doing a story in a garden. <laughs> we are. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> Good job. Thanks for getting us back together. So this starts with a quote by Abram L. Urban. In my garden, there is a large place for sentiment. My garden of flowers is also my garden of thoughts and dreams. The thoughts grow as freely as the flowers and the dreams are as beautiful. I don't think I've ever heard of him before, but it's a very nice quote. Mm-hmm. It's it. I always like when stories have a quote like that from another story, and then it makes me want to read the other story, too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes fun. So it starts off with Neville being sent to play in the garden because he's quite young in this. He's mm-hmm. seven. He's getting and sent to play because to grandma's, yeah, grandma's friends are coming over. Yeah. This is when I want to punch grandma in the face. <laughs> Yeah, because she compares him to Frank all the time, and it just makes him feel bad. Well, you know, it kind of think about it from her point of view too. He's to mm-hmm. replace the son she lost, mm-hmm. so I don't think he's so much of a disappointment to her. I think she's impatient. She's impatient for him to grow up and be Frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and her yeah. frustration of being impatient is showing as this is how it, it's manifesting itself. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you compare it to canon later on, like in book seven, when she pops out of that portrait or the room of requirement, she's so very proud of him for being him. And she recognizes her grandson and she's so proud of her grandson, not just missing Frank, but of Neville. And I, I agree with Kelly. She's impatient right now. She just wants him to yeah. be the best that I he don't can be. He's just not better. He's not living up to his and abilities, even though I think she wants him to mature faster than what he can. It's mm-hmm. just like, I mean, I know as a parent myself, I mean, there's times where I'm like, I know you can do this. Why aren't you doing this? And I got to remember, okay, yeah, my son is only seven. I got to let him be seven. He's not 12 or he's not 13 or 14 where he can understand, truly understand, and behave like he should. Mm-hmm. And as far as Gran goes, she's had a number of years now to get out of the habit of being mm-hmm. around children exactly. at all, let alone raising them. So mm-hmm. she's already raised her child, and then now she's finding herself having to do it again when she has less energy than she did the first time, and... Even the first time, the kids have more energy than the parents do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really surprised right now that mine's asleep. Yay! I really, I think back to 
not so much my grandmother, but my great-grandmother. I think that's almost the right age difference here. I don't think that I got compared to anyone else, but there was kind of a need to be slightly older than I was because she was in her 70s and then in her 80s and then in her 90s as I grew up and she has since passed, but just a little bit because she hasn't been around kids for such a long time. You know, it had been such a long time since my mother was a child that I can kind of see in Neville's grandmother, my own great-grandmother. Not the the Walter Hat-wearing person, but just kind of some of the, (laughs) just some of of that generation and that age gap dynamic. Mm -hmm. Especially in the Wizarding World. It's harder for some people to communicate with kids. You can't expect them to necessarily understand everything you say and be able to relate to you on an intellectual level where once Mm -hmm. they grow up a little bit you can talk to them more freely rather than having to figure out what it is they're trying to say Mm -hmm. and she's just not really bothering with that it seems that she doesn't often try to figure out what's going on with neville because it's not obvious to her right I also have to say, I related to this whole story, this garden. I didn't garden with my great-grandmother, but she taught me how to bake. I remember being five and baking little apple pies in my little own pie tin. I was just so proud of my own like creations, and I love to bake, and I can bake pies and cakes and cupcakes and cookies. And it's really her and my other grandmother that I have to thank for it to give me that love. I might not be able to do... As well as crocheting or knitting or all that stuff, but I can bake. So I really, like, I was reading this story today at lunch, and I I started to cry because that's what I thought about. I thought about baking with my grandmother. That's cool. The other thing about it, of course, is that this is all from Neville's point of view. Mm -hmm. He can't figure out Mm -hmm. why else she would send him outside all the time unless she was ashamed of him, where... From her thinking, she probably just figures he'd be bored with the tea party and sends him to play. Right, but she's got it set up so that he That's really can't thing to play. Think, anyway. There's no toys outside because she doesn't like the mess. The swing set that he used to play on when Grandpa was alive has been taken down because she doesn't want him to get hurt. He's not allowed to run because it's unbecoming, even though no one really can see him through all the wards. He's not allowed to climb the trees. You know, there's nothing to do. He's been out there for a whole minute, and he's already bored out of his mind because there's nothing outside. It's really sad. I mean, <laughs> I can see her. She's being so overprotective because I think, you know what? She lost her son and lost her daughter-in-law that it seemed like she truly loved, and she lost her husband and stuff like that. He's the only thing that she has left, and she's going to, if she can, she would put him in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's doing. She's trying to preserve him, but she doesn't realize she's also suffocating him, too. Right. She doesn't want Neville to be hurt, but most of the things that he thinks are fun will involve in some way the possibility of being hurt. It always kind of reminds me of the commercial of the parent that puts the bubble wrap around the kids and the helmet and they go around and they look like Ralphie. I can't put my arms down kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. So he's sitting out there on the steps looking for something to do, and he's bored, 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 bored. But he finally gets up and he walks down the yard. He's not really thinking about anything, just kind of going for a walk. And he comes to the greenhouse, and it used to be one of his favorite places before Granddad had died. 
and grounds forbidden him for going in because that's where his grandfather died. So he's just not sure if he should go in or not. He's looking at it and he knows he's not supposed to go in. And he's a little bit worried about it because, you know, he is seven and he watched his grandfather die in there. And so his mind is saying, what if I go in? Am I going to die too? Which is really... That's so a seven-year-old. Yeah, but it's exactly where a seven-year-old would go. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could Neville see the Thestrals? Yes. He could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was in book canon and not movie? Is that correct? No, no, that, that was, was book cannon. It was book okay. cannon. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, because Umbra um, asked him how he could no. see it. He said, said he saw his grandfather die. So he's been able to see them since day one. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Hagrid asked him in Care of Magical Creatures. Oh, was it? Okay. I can remember. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he was one of the, like, three that could see okay. it. Okay. There was another one in their year, but I don't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. Was it a Slytherin? Mm, no, I thought it was a Ravenclaw. I thought they just had Slytherin and Gryffindors in the class. Yeah, I thought so, too. Oh. It might have been theater or not. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, especially with this mom being the Black Widow and stuff. No, I thought that was Blaze. Oh, yeah, it is Blaze the Beanie. Yeah, Theodore Knott's father was a Death Eater, but I don't think his mother was. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. continue. I'm sorry. I don't think we know from canon when... Neville saw his grandfather die, but it could have easily been at this point, so mm-hmm. it works. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I like this passage here because she wrote this after my grandfather had passed away, and Aww. he's he's standing there trying to gather up his courage, and he kind of takes a step towards the door, and then he stops, and finally a breeze blows open the door, and the breeze kind of pushes him in. And when I first read this, I sent her a note and I said, I think that grandpa helped. And she said, oh, yeah, he was there. He was the breeze that was pushing him in. So that's. Okay, I just got chills. (laughs) (laughs) I have tears. (laughs) And good thing my heater just kicked on. (laughs) (laughs) As I sniffle. Yeah. That, that line caught me like, when I read it the first time. Ugh. Yeah. And I love the descriptions and the names that she gave the flowers. The dancing daffodils and, and things like that. And there'll be more further down. But I just, I was really... I like that. I think daffodils do dance. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I found it interesting that the greenhouse has basically been made into a shrine. Yeah, and it's... Nobody's touched it at and all. It's, and all of the... Plants the are water, dying. The watering can is still lying over on its side. Mm-hmm. This is what sort of gets him started on things because that's just wrong. They shouldn't be left to die by themselves, and the watering can shouldn't be tipped over like that. So he decides he's going to clean things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the watering can's too heavy for him, which makes sense. I'm sort of envisioning one of those old metal ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The ones that weigh 300 pounds when they're full? Yep. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they still weigh about 15 pounds when they're empty. Yeah, the old <laughs> metal. Have you guys all seen the picture that goes with What this? are they? They're galvanized steel. Yes. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's painted bright green. Thing. Green and white for some reason. I don't know. Green and white. Mine so, is just silver, but it works. <laughs> I don't know, but the paint's chipping off because it's old. I like that once he gets the can upright, it fills itself with water. 
I yeah, I, like nice. that yeah. I could use that at my house. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he can lift it, but he just can't. It's taller than his head where he needs to actually water it. And I love that he looks around and finds the step stool and it's got grandpa's old work robes on it. And he goes over and he starts to throw them on the floor. And then he thinks better of it and he puts them on. And I can just see him even before we had the picture that goes with this standing there, this little tousled hair kiddo with this robe that's just way too long for him. Twice his size. Sleeves, his sleeves rolled up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great visual. It really, really is. And he got a little, got a little dirt on his nose. I know it's a wrong thing, but still. First <laughs> mm-hmm. cheek. Okay, we'll do a cheek. It happens when you're gardening. It gets on your hands, and then your hair is in the way, so you brush that out, and then you have dirt in your face. Mm-hmm. Or you get a little trickle sweat, and you just scallop that off, and you got mm-hmm. mud. So he's getting the pots, and he's trying to figure out or remember how to water the right way, because he did see his grandfather doing it, and I think his grandfather may have actually taught him at one point, but it's mm-hmm. been a while. Yeah. And so the first six plants or so, he overfills with water, but then he manages to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And he's dragging the stool with him and getting each one. I can really visualize that because now that my son is seven and he's trying to be a little bit more independent and everything like that, I remember one day I was just sicker than a dog and I looked at him. I'm like, hey, you make your own dinner? He goes, I can make cereal. All of a sudden I went to bed and I can hear him dragging my wooden chair across the linoleum, opening up the cabinets and everything like that. I mean, it was just so sweet. But I don't know, that just tugs to me because... I mean, this is my son at this age now, mm-hmm. and I could just so see it. Getting down, mm-hmm. dragging the thing, getting down, dragging it over there. And it's just it's just perfect. Right. I, like, not having kids, but I can see myself doing this at this age because I did it. My mom said that I was a climber, and I would pull a chair over to the counter and then climb onto the counter to get something out of the cabinets. And my uncle flipped out and built a stool so that I could step up and get to the things, but... Yeah, I saw myself in Neville when he was dragging that stool around. I could just see him, like, mm-hmm. in the big oversized probe that smelled mm-hmm. like his grandfather, pulling the stool, and, and then you, you get chocolate. it to the place, and then you look back at the water can, and you sigh, and you walk back, and you drag the water can, and you just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very uh-huh. good visual. Yeah, it's yeah. really neat. So he's finally done, and he's decided that he is going to come back again. Mm -hmm. And I like that the last one he does is the one he and his granddad were going to plant the day he died. Yeah, and earlier it says that he knows Gran would kill him if she found out he was there, but he just, he's compelled to do this. It doesn't quite say it that way, but that's his feeling. He's compelled to be there and do this for his grandfather. So he waited yes, he two days to escape because, yes, and it was raining, so he wasn't allowed to go outside and play. But he managed to sneak into his grandfather's office, and he got some books. And while he didn't quite know what they were saying, there were pictures, and pictures helped. Mm-hmm. When in doubt, look at the pictures. Yeah, pictures are good. Yeah, there's not very many seven-year-olds who would know what the word germinate meant. <laughs> Hell, I'm 33, and I still don't really know what germinate means. <laughs> I got the gist of it, but... So, he makes it back to the greenhouse. He sneaks out, and he straightens everything up, but he doesn't want to just go back. So, he takes a look at the raised bed outside the greenhouse, which used to have all sorts of flowers and perennials in it. Mm -hmm. 
Lupins that howled at the full moon, snapdragons that breathed fire, bluebells that tinkled in the breeze. <laughs> this would be fun. Mm-hmm. I loved the visual of him having to stand up and pull weeds. Like, he had to pull with all his might. I could just see him. Because <laughs> I can imagine that they're wizarding weeds and they don't want to come out. And they're fighting. <laughs> he's just standing there. <laughs> yes. The relief of him, like, holding on to this weed, leaning back, and then not going anywhere until it lets go, and then he lands on his butt. And then he falls so, over. Yes. Yeah. So Neville has finally got the weed free, and, and he's all hot and sweaty and dirty. And he's like, uh-oh, if Graham sees me, I'm dead meat, because she's going to know I've done something I'm not supposed to. So he goes in and he washes his hands in his face and he hopes that she won't see him because he wants to keep the look of disappointment off her face. It's just, it's poignant. It's really poignant. Yeah, I just want to sit there and just hug him. Yeah. And I like what she has and like what he's thinking. They're probably all dead anyways, he thought. And it's kind of nice to have that kind of mentality. He's like, what am I going to hurt any hell if I try to do it? You think the worst of the situation, and when things happen, he surprises himself. Mm-hmm. In one pod on the bench nearest the sink, there's something small and green. And he thought, alive? And it's just, I just love it. And he catches his breath and he moves closer. Is it really alive, he wonders, or am I imagining it? It's just so, because I kind of see myself in the same way. I'm always looking over my shoulder. I'm like, yeah, I can't do this kind of thing. And then I surprise myself. I'm like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. But I'm going to try anyhow. Mm -hmm. And when I succeed, it's always a nice surprise. Yeah. And he looks at all the pots and he finds that there's six more. And his last thoughts are, there might not be something in every pot, but it's a start. So he goes on at this for another two weeks. And he's getting better and better at it all the time. And he's getting much more experienced at sneaking out. All the better to sneak out of the common room with. <laughs> <laughs> I think this kind of shows more of his Gryffindor spirit. I mean, once he gets his confidence, he becomes mm-hmm. more and more bold. Mm-hmm. And this is how he's a Gryffindor. Yeah. It turns out that almost all of the pots have little plants that are growing. And he's amazed about it. But he keeps working. And he's sort of working out from the greenhouse so that the stuff near to the house that people will see on casual glance is the last stuff that he's going to do anything with. Mm-hmm. I love the little wheelbarrow scene where he has all the stuff in the wheelbarrow and it nearly topples and I can just see little seven-year-old devil in the robes again with this wheelbarrow. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. adorably hilarious. And he's planting them and all of a sudden there's this voice. What are you doing, boy? (laughs) And he jerks up and he drops the plan he's holding and he's like, Uncle Algie, what are you doing out here? And he's kind of looking up and you can just see him on his knees, you know, just kind of peering up under the rim of his head. Yeah. Uh, God. I don't know why I kind of see him like peering over plants, Mm. looking up at them. Yeah. (laughs) And his uncle says, I just asked you that question. Are you going to answer me? And he's like, nothing. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) And his uncle doesn't believe him, understandably enough, seeing as he's sitting there with a plant in his hands. Mm -hmm. But it turns out he doesn't mind, and he just wants him to get it in the ground before it messes up the plant. This is when I don't realize Uncle Algie is Neville's grandfather's brother. Yeah, his great uncle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I just thought Uncle Algie was Neville's grandma's brother. 
not the other way around. So it was just a pleasant surprise, that's all. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever hear one way or the other. So, Other than him dropping him and giving him a toad, that's all we hear of Uncle Algy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's mentioned in the story. Like, it, it's at the beginning. <laughs> he was recently dropped. Right. <laughs> yeah, didn't he like, drop him out of the... Second, he bounced down the... Second story window? Second story window. No, no, wait, no, this was the drowning one. Like, the one yeah. of the stories that, that never mentions. Yeah, he mentions the drowning, but not the bouncing yet. Mm-hmm. The bouncing hasn't That's happened yet funny. because there's been no hint of magic yet. Yeah, so he still doesn't have magic. Right. Oh, okay. So he says, I'm going to plant it, and he, he plants it, but he does kind of a haphazard job because his uncle's kind of staring at him, and... You know, his uncle's like, come on now, my brother taught you better than that. Cover the roots with soil and make it stand up straight. Well, go on then, dig it up and do it right and be careful this time. And so he mm-hmm. does it because he's been kind of teaching himself all along. He knows exactly what to do. And he gets up mm-hmm. and he stacks everything neatly and shows him the greenhouse. And Algie's the sort of character I can just, I can just hear him. Because you know people like that. Like, he's not any good with kids either, but he's, you know, completely gruff on the outside, but really just a softy. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to tell him, you're doing a good job or whatever. He just says, oh, come on now. You can do better. Do it right. Right. It's kind of like a rougher version of Hagrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where Hagrid is all gruff and everything like that, but he's just a big old softy. Well... I was always under the impression that Hagrid was very anxious for people to like him. Mm-hmm. He scares people enough just by the way he looks. Yes, he's very Whereas, earnest. So uh, he's he's trying to, you know, he's the big guy in the corner who comes out and he says, Hi, I want to be your friend. Right. That's Hagrid. <laughs> yeah. And we'll do just about anything to be their friend. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they start this new routine where Uncle Augie's going to be teaching Neville about plants And they're going to tell Gran that they're out working on magic. But instead of doing magic, they're going to be working in the garden. Which is, they're working on magic. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's kind of what we find out at the end. And in the process, they're working on on schooling and everything. His schoolwork improves and all kinds of stuff. And his uncle's teaching him how to do the wand work, even though he doesn't know how to do it. And then he has to match it. In the muggle way. So his uncle will mix the dragon manure with his wand, and then he goes and gets his shovel. Neville gets his shovel and goes and does the same thing, but he has to do it with the shovel. Mm-hmm. But he's gaining confidence, because the line says, just so he knew that sometime in the future, he'd be able to use the spell. Right. So that just means that he knows he's magical, even though he hasn't shown signs yet. Well, He'll be able to do it, and that just... I think he is showing signs. It's just not in a way that it's really attainable. I think actually you've got that a little backwards. Because what he's saying in the line is he wishes that he had shown some side of magic so that he would know sometime he'd be able to use the spell. Because he doesn't know. Oh, well, he doesn't know it. Sorry. But we know it. Yeah. Yeah. We know right. that Neville is not a squib. Otherwise, right. his name would not have been written in the log for Hogwarts. Also, mm-hmm. people mature well. at different rates. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's a friend of mine who has a almost three-year-old daughter who knows sign language better than she knows how to talk. Mm-hmm. She knows mama. She knows daddy. She knows mine. She knows me. 
you know, things like that. But they're teaching her sign language, and she'll say thank you in sign language. She'll say please in sign language. She just – she does not talk. But I have right. a feeling that once she starts, we are not going to get her to shut up. No. Oh, yeah. You will. Well, I, I heard – But she's almost three. Language. Yeah. For children, they learn sign language a lot faster than they learn regular speaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because especially at that age, children are very visual. Right. Yeah, but I think you're right. Once she starts going, you won't be able to stop. I, I don't think we're going to be able to shut her up. You're going to be like, oh, yeah. I even say like, now to that my own son. I go, I remember when you were quiet and I wanted you to talk. Yeah. I wish I never made that wish. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I'm sorry. We got I, off track. I like the other line that's with this one where he wishes that he'd shown some sign of magic so that he could do the spell. But then it goes on to say, but he kept at it. The sense of accomplishment he got doing it on his own without magic was worth it, he thought. So even though he's not showing the signs of magic, he's getting something out of what he's doing. Yeah. This Neville would make a good Hufflepuff. He would. But he makes a darn good Gryffindor, too. So. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that I like is that the gnomes have come back. And he knows that his garden is healthy because gnomes don't go to an unhealthy garden. So even though he's got to throw them over the wall and it's kind of a lot of work, it's giving him a sense of accomplishment that way as well. Because he knows. I can see him playing on Arthur, still playing with them and having them come back. He's like, okay, here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just got shocked. Yeah, I heard it. You always oh, get shocked. <laughs> Quit. Yeah, but the sad thing is, my cat shocked me. I was going to say, quit running your feet back and forth across the floor. No, it was my cat. (laughs) So he's pretty much got everything under control at this point. He's been working in the garden and all the beds are ship-shape. He's got vegetables and the fruit trees have come back. And he's got one more place that needs work, but he's left it for last because he wants this to be perfect. And he's finally finished, and he steps back, and he's got this big smile on his face. He'd done a good job. He just wished his granddad was still around to see it. And then we have a scene break. And then we have Grand. Come with me. And she finds out. Yes. It was going to be obvious anyhow. Yeah. He's going to find out. And I love this. He's like... He's wondering what he's done. You know, he's caught up in his studies and he's actually understanding. His shirt's tucked in, his collar's straight, well, his shoes he, are tied. He knows. He knows that <laughs> she. Wondering what he's done, it would be yeah. obvious. She would have had to have been blind and deaf not to know what was going on. But he's not immediately concerned with the garden at that point. So he's wondering if there's something he's done right then. But yeah. then she takes him, and they start out towards the back garden, and then he's going, oh, dear. Yeah, because she hasn't been out there. He didn't think she'd been out there. Mm-hmm. And she takes him to the family graveyard, which was the last place that he had planned. And I love it. His stomach sank. He was in for it now, and he knew it. If Gran hadn't noticed all the other changes in the back garden, and he didn't see how she could have, there was no way she'd miss the changes in this corner. What had once been stark and dreary was now filled with color and sound, ringing bluebells, fire-breathing snapdragons, howling lupins, and twittering tulips lined the paths, welcoming anyone who walked there with a cacophony of sound. 
I mean, don't you just wish, like, you go into a greenhouse like that, that they could really do that kind of stuff, the fire-breathing snack dragons. <sighs> don't they do that, don't they do that to you now? As long as they're not too close to your wood stuff. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't they, doesn't walking into a greenhouse now do that to you? Oh, yeah. Just the smell, it's just, you see the colors, and yeah, you can almost hear it, but, I mean, really literally hear it. That'd be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Something we should probably bring up that I just thought of when they're talking about all the changes in the back garden. In British English, the garden refers to the whole yard. Right. So when they're saying he's been sent out to the garden or he's going into the back garden, that's the backyard. Right. There are other parts of it that are what we would consider a garden where he's done the planting and stuff. But, but isn't that yeah. considered like the kitchen garden? Like that would be garden. Yeah, or the where herb there's garden. herbs and things. Yeah. 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 But... He's also got flowers and things like that, and they have their graveyard and such, which is, it's at a corner of the yard. It's not right next to their flower garden and vegetable garden. No, it's set out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they're down in a back corner. And he's still convinced that she must be mad about this, because he's picked some flowers over the grave, and she asks him if he did this, and he says, I'm sorry, I know I shouldn't have, but I had to because it was just, and he's sort of babbling. (laughs) Yeah. And she says, thank you. It's beautiful. He would have loved it. And he's just shocked. Yeah. (laughs) That she's wiping tears from her eyes and gently touching the petals. And he'd never seen his grand cry before. And it was very awkward because he wasn't sure what to do. But he just waited until she got her feelings back into control. And then she says, come and show me what else you've done. And he goes and shows her. And he shows her, you know, that he's got herbs and vegetables that they'll be able to eat soon and everything that he's done. And then he takes her into the greenhouse. And you know that's got to be hard for her as well, to walk into the place where her husband passed away. Mm. And that's what he loves. And I like it as she wistfully ran her fingers across granddad's old work robes. And I'm just... I don't know. I mean, even when losing someone, you always keep something or something reminds you of them. Just seeing that is probably a very surreal event. Mm, It's not a bad feeling, but it's a very sad feeling, too. Yeah. Wistful. Yeah, wistful. That's it. (laughs) She says that she realizes she's been unfair to him. And now she wants him to keep on doing this, the things that he's been working on, because obviously he's good at it. Mm -hmm. And he's shocked again because she's praised him for something he's done right. And that never happens. He's used to it always being something that he hasn't done or he's done wrong. Mm -hmm. She's talking Mm -hmm. to him about. And then it turns out that the dancing daffodils are the flowers his father used to woo his mother. Yeah, which is kind of fun. And it was her favorite. And it's just kind of poignant that that's probably one of the first ones that he planted. It was his mom's favorite flowers. Right. Because that's what they were planting the day that Grandpa, that was what they were working on. And she gives him probably one of the very best compliments. You are very like him and your grandfather, and they would have been proud of you, you know. And it's just wonderful. I like the last line of this. Mm -hmm. He says... He might not be able to do real magic, but he could grow things. And that was a magic all its own. And you know what? I believe it's true. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle to be able to grow or create something. I mean, anything that you do, it's creating. It's a magic thing. 
Yeah. It's a magical thing, even with us today. I mean, it could be knitting, it could be sewing, it could be baking, growing things, creating music, poetry. It's whatever you're good at or your talent is, no matter what it is, it is a magical thing. Yeah, it really is. And we didn't say it at the beginning, but in her live journal, there's a summary. Couldn't remember my word there for a minute. And it talks about how Neville learns that some things are magical, even if it's not what they would consider real magic. I didn't quite say that right, but you know what I mean? I think you said it pretty well. Well, I want to thank you guys for letting me put this on because it was something I really wanted to do. And I wasn't sure if it was something I should do, but nobody told me no, so I did it anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) But no one says no. Go ahead. Yeah. Run with it full force. So, so, Sue, since this is your story, why don't you go ahead and wrap it up? Okay. Well, does anybody else want to say anything about it before I wrap it? I think it was really well written and the imagery was pretty. It was very easy to visualize and was just, yeah, a very good story. I really liked it. It brought back a lot of emotions for my own grandparents, both here and those who have passed away. As you can tell by my silence for a while while I was sobbing. (laughs) It it is really touching. And anyone who's lost a grandparent can understand how much they mean to you. Because they're not your parents. They're the people who you do a lot of fun things with. And they teach you a lot. So, as I said before, they teach you to garden or bake or cook or whatever. They have an impact. So, this really made me remember all of those things that my grandmother and my great-grandmother taught me when I was growing up. So I liked it, and I'm going to cry in the corner. <laughs> not, not, not like, sad, but just kind of, like, remembrance crying. So. Well, yay, Neville. Mm-hmm. That was a good story. Yay, Neville. It was. Scott, did you have something else that you wanted to say before I jump in here? Not really. Okay. I, just I want more of young <laughs> Neville. That would be fun. <laughs> Yeah, There should be more young Neville around. It's a good young Neville. So I know that she wrote two or three stories before this one actually came into being. She started at least two, working on it, trying to get it. And I know that she probably worked a little harder on it because it was, for me, that sounds very egotistical, but... (laughs) No, she worked harder on it because it was a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And... I know that she put a lot of herself into it for me, and I really appreciated it. And it was everything that I wanted it to be. And I know that it took a long time, and she felt bad that it took as long as it did. But it was well worth the wait. And like Scott said, I love this little young Neville. And just the visual of him standing on the stool with the robes on, holding that watering can. I just see that so clearly, even before the painting that we had done It was just really well written. And like I said earlier, the names of the flowers and the different things that the flowers did, it just really touched the gardener in me. So thank you very much, Jules. I loved it. I think everybody else liked it. So I guess we'll just say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Goodnight. Goodnight. So long. Farewell. 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 Oh, boy. Oliver, are you still there? I'm there. Sorry, I was sniffling and tearing up, so I just went on mute for a little bit. (laughs)
thought. Talking about losing grandparents, like my grandmother who watched me two days a week from the time I was born and then during the summers, like in between school, just like when you were talking about, you know, you keep something of someone and in the room where I'm podcasting, there's a picture of her and I, like when I was seven and I'm hugging her and she's hugging me and it's like that picture and I just start to cry and I'm like, and I'm tearing up again. And so I went on mute so I could sniffle and sob and not. (laughs) Uh Okay. So, well, Jules will be happy that she touched you, but not so happy she made you sob. <laughs> he might not be able to do real magic, but he could. Hello? Scott? Did he drop? Yeah, we just lost Scott. <laughs> I have him. No, I see him too. Scott? Scott? Scott, you're, you've gone mute if you're there. Nope, he's gone. Nope, okay. he's been dropped. Bye, Scott. (laughs) Probably a very eloquent point, too. Great. (laughs) Meanwhile, back in Canada... And that was a magic all of its own. (laughs) That's the end. And it sounds suspiciously like I just dropped off the call. (sighs) Da-da-da-da-da... Mm-hmm. <laughs>